When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous walrus, the bulbous walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Is This Real Life, a Bravo podcast that relates the quirkiest aspects of reality TV to our own lives. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the 100th episode of Is This Real Life? I am Mandy Slutsker, your host, coming to you from Washington, D.C. Thank you all so much for listening. Whether you've been listening since the first ever podcast or you've just found me recently, I appreciate each and every one of you. I was going to have my dad and his fiance Joyce on the podcast to celebrate this week, but unfortunately, my grandfather, um, his father, just passed away. So he's not going to be on, but we'll be sure to have them on at some point in the future. I normally spend the beginning of these podcasts just kind of going over the news of the week in Bravo and reality TV and introducing my guests, but in honor of my grandfather's life, I just wanted to tell you a little bit about him. We called him Zadie, which means grandfather in Yiddish, and he was born in the former Soviet Union, and he was either 95 or 98, depending on which government records you believe, and there's a whole story behind that, which I won't go into right now. He was one of two children. He had a younger sister named Manya, and in 1942, when she was 12 years old, she went to spend part of the summer with her grandmother in far western Russia, so what I think is modern day, either I think Ukraine or Belarus. And her and her grandmother, unfortunately, were killed by these killing squads that went around during the Holocaust in World War II, where they would execute large numbers of Jews. And so he got word when he was 16 years old that his 12-year-old sister had been murdered along with his grandmother. And immediately he was called into the Red Army to fight in World War II on the Russian side. He spent three years in the military, including serving in Siberia, where he talked about how it would either be endless day or endless night, depending on the season. These stories were just crazy. He also became very good friends with his war buddies, and they used to get a ration of vodka um, each day. And 
depending on who died, they would split the the ration of vodka and they would always make toasts. It was sort of this bad luck if you were to drink alone or if you were to drink and not toast to something positive. So he always made sure that there was wine or vodka or something to make a toast. And one time when I was visiting him in New York City, we all were out at some deli that didn't even serve alcohol. And he snuck a bottle of wine underneath the table, opened it, and had brought four glasses for us to... (laughs) to be drinking ourselves. And he continued to make toasts throughout the entire dinner, even though this was not a place that served alcohol. (laughs) My Zadie had such a zest for life, despite all of the trauma that he experienced as a child and everything that happened with World War II and then after World War II. And, you know, being a Jew in the Soviet Union was not easy. And my family fled as refugees in 1979 to the United States. And he was in his 60s at that point. And he had to come to a country where he didn't understand the language. He didn't know the background. And he ended up eventually making his way to New York City, where he could be around a lot of other Russian Jews. And they could tell their stories, call them anecdotes. It would always be these sort of inappropriate jokes. (laughs) Like, his English was never that great, especially compared to my grandmother. And as he got older, his English got worse. And my dad refused to teach Russian to me and my brother because he very much wanted us to be fully American. And so we would call my dad to have him translate these anecdotes, these jokes that my Zadie would tell us, usually in between pouring glasses of wine. And they'd be so inappropriate and like sexual in nature (laughs) that my dad would then leave out the punchline because he didn't want to share it. (laughs) And then the joke would fall flat. And then my Zadie would get frustrated with my dad for not having told the joke properly. (laughs) The last time I visited him in his apartment a few months back, it was only 10 a.m. when I got there, and he looked at me and he was like, wine or vodka? And I was like, it's 10 a.m., Zadie, like I'm not drinking with you. And he said something like, it's such a shame that my grandchildren do not drink proper vodka. (laughs) He was always ready to live life to the fullest, regardless of all of the really terrible things that he had witnessed along the way. And he always made the best of every situation. And it really reminds me of the musical Fiddler on the Roof. I don't know how many of you guys love musicals, but that musical feels like it was written about my family back in Russia. And in the the song L'Chaim, you know, they always talk about, you know, like to us and our good fortune, be happy, be healthy, long life. Um, But they always say, and if our good fortune never comes, here's to whatever comes. Drink L'chaim to life. And so as we're in this place in the country, in our country's history, going with coronavirus and Black Lives Matter, and there's so much uncertainty, you know, I'd just like to say, please join me in raising a toast to my Zadie, my grandfather, and here is to whatever comes. 
All right, friends, that is probably the most I have ever shared (laughs) about my family or anything um, really serious on the show. But I appreciate you honoring my grandfather with me and being here to celebrate 100 episodes of Is This Real Life? I am so excited for this week's show. I chat with the amazing and absolutely hilarious Ryan Bailey from the So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey podcast. We chat Real Housewives of New York, and he tries to sell me on a couple other reality shows that I have yet to watch. And then Aaron Martin and I break down this week's Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, and I share with her some of my thoughts as a new 90 Day Fiance fan. Thank you all for supporting this podcast. If you like it, I encourage you to subscribe, to go on iTunes, to give it a five-star review. It really does help the podcast. And um, to follow me on Instagram at ITRL underscore podcast. I'm also on Twitter. You can follow my personal Twitter at Mandy Slutsker. Again, thanks so much for listening and hope you guys enjoy today's show. Hi, everyone. I am here with everyone's favorite, Ryan Bailey, to talk about the Real Housewives of New York. How you doing, Ryan? What up? Congratulations on the 100th episode. This is, I've never done 100 of anything. So this is, uh, I, this is amazing. Congratulations. What, how do you feel doing 100 of something? Does it feel good? Does it feel weird? It feels so great. And actually, no one listening can see this, but my best childhood friend, Karen, sent me these stickers, a hundred of them, uh, and it's the logo of the podcast. You have a great logo. It's very like pop art. It, it, but by the way, and what do you call, Is it, I, I talk about this on my podcast, So Bad, it, I don't know what to call the So Bad It's Good listeners. What do you call, is this real life listeners? Like, because- I have no idea. <laughs> Like, you know, like, I feel like you need, like, is it, is this real life nation? Is this, is IT, <laughs> is this real life? ITRL, ITRL, like, ITRL, yeah, like ITRLers, <laughs> like, I feel like, and that's, cause mine is like, okay, could you be baddies or goodies? And I feel ridiculous saying either of those things, but like, I feel like as a group of people, a group of listeners, I like, I love the. I love the thought of a club feel like of like, if you're a part of a, a movement or like, you know, that's what I think the best thing about your podcast or any podcast is, is that you feel like you're part of something like uh, in those Batman movies, they say like, I'm a part of something bigger than my, you know, it's like yeah. you're a part of something. By the way, I've had four cups of coffee. Already. <laughs> you can tell. Uh, no, but like, I feel like you need a name for the people that listen to this. So if you pass somebody on the street and they're, wearing one of your stickers we can be like are you in are you in is this real life nation uh you know it's we've got to think of a name for the people listeners message me dm me on instagram at itrl underscore podcast let me know what you want to call yourselves itrl too also reminds me of trl total request live right with carson daly is there something is there something there could we be calling yourself the carson dailies and it's like an inside joke (laughs) because trl and itrl is so close are we of the only age group that actually remembers trl though no that's not true i know i think because there i watch trl as a you know i was probably past the prime of when i like of First off, a straight guy shouldn't be watching TRL usually. That it was mainly is not like, true. No, I feel no like that is. I, well, no, because I, I mean, I grew up in the time, I guess, where Limp Biscuit was a thing on MTV. So that was very hetero. But like, 
I know a lot of like the girls that listen to me that are like 10 years younger watched TRL when they were like seven or eight or something like that. So I think maybe I aged oh, out okay. and I shouldn't have been watching it, you know? Yeah. I feel like I was in middle school, maybe high school. Yeah. And I didn't watch it much. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, by the way, see, this is sad why I was just thinking about TRL was that I was listening to um, I was listening to the Jessica Simpson audiobook. I'm obsessed. Um, I read it within two days. You read it with your eyes? I, yeah. I read it with my ears. <laughs> and it was because, and you got to hear Jessica Simpson's voice, was I, I was obsessed about, but she talks about TRL there and like, you know, like I was on there with Nick and like it was such a, a specific time in pop culture history. And I got to say, even as a straight dude, I love Jessica Simpson's autobiography. And I wasn't even a huge Jessica Simpson fan. Me neither. I am so impressed. It was the, I would say, probably one of the only autobiographies that I've ever read that I felt like was actually written yes, by the person. Yes. And you, I felt like I got such a clear sense of who Jessica Simpson was. And I was talking about this on the podcast the other day, is that like people think of like, you know, celebrities in pop culture – uh, something that just like, oh, that it was lucky what happened to them. And it's like, you see that, like how much work like Jessica Simpson put into like how she, you have to really kind of like uh, push off any kind of normal life. And just like to, you know, she was showing up at malls and singing. She was singing any chance she was would get. She was obsessed with like her weight. She was obsessed with like she couldn't really fall in love with Nick at the time she wanted to. Like she had to think of all of these things at such a young age for a career. And it was like when I was like 17, I was trying to like learn how to wipe myself properly. Like there is no <laughs> like, I, you know, it's like even if you didn't like Jessica Zippin, you got to say like, man, for that age, she busted her ass. And like, it takes a really, like, it's not just luck, the things that happen to these. I mean, reality stars are a different story. Yes. But pop, like these people that actually had a singing career or some kind of movie or TV, like so much goes into this, not just luck. So much work goes into this. I was so impressed with her. And it was still such a juicy book, even oh, though amazing. there were two things she didn't bring up that I would have liked to hear more about. One was Ashley, her sister, yeah, which she doesn't yeah, go yeah. into at all. And then her father divorcing her mom and Cause, cause being gay. Was, yeah. Well, first off, I think maybe those two things, because those are their stories to Exa tell. I understand 100%. Yeah. But, but it would have been nice to get her take on it. Like, it would have been nice to get her take on it. But I guess I understand. The Joe Simpson thing is fascinating you know, to see where he is now. And even that reality show crossover moment of when he was on Vanderpump Rules and yep. he was taking shots of Tom Sandoval, Sandoval. You know, like, get your gut in. Like, I mean, that's insane. They think of where Joe Simpson, how we knew him from newlyweds to where he is now is, uh, and you, and by the way, without even uh, Jessica Simpson talking about it or even Joe talking about it, we know pretty much where he seems to be at in his life. Yep. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, Let's get into this week's Real Housewives of New York. Well, first, well, let me get a drink first. <laughs> you need one, right? Oh, my God. This episode, it reminds me of Stefan on SNL. It's like, it had everything. <laughs> it, had... <laughs> it, ha it has a floating Ramona turd. It has Chinese food that's shoved in Sonia's mouth. It has yes. Lynn telling you to eat now. It has uh, <laughs> Leah, uh, Heather, Leah Hala peeing Thompson. on a prince. Yeah. Heather, I mean, by the way, it's always insane on these shows, and I got to say Beverly Hills this week as well, where you have these insane guest cameos, and the episode is already so crazy that the cameos are just 
literally like, oh, Heather's back. Cool. Let's get back to Ramona, sh- like having a baby turd in her toilet. Like I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's, it's like, it's like a nice additive spice, but it doesn't, the show is so insane that you almost don't even appreciate those cameos. Totally. And I, I was kind of feeling down on Roni the last few weeks with the at-home confessionals and the poor audio and, you know, really missing Tinsley, really feeling Bethany's absence. And then this episode came and I was like, okay, we're back. You know, it's so (laughs) funny that you say that, though, because first off, I got to yell at you and I got to yell to a lot of fans out there. You guys are fair weathered fans. The way I've seen you guys quit Roni on a dime this season has been so disappointing. So disappointing. This show has asked nothing of you except for you to watch it. And for you guys to shit on it the way you do is so upsetting as a true fan like myself to watch it. And then you want to come back on the wagon when, when things really are amazing. Like last night, it's like, Hey, we don't need you just go away. And maybe, (laughs) maybe uh, let's see what, what other show is maybe real housewives of Dallas is more your speed. Maybe, maybe something else is more your speed, but Roni is just for true Roni lovers. And I mean, I could say the same to you about Vanderpump rules. I have never quit on Vanderpump rules and everyone. (laughs) I didn't quit. I didn't quit. I just pointed out that the show is in such a train position where by the way I didn't quit I said I will watch it I'm used to staying in relationships way past their prime so I will (laughs) watch this until it stops for good like I will I will never stop watching Vanderpump Rules but there are obvious problems in the Vanderpump Rules universe I don't see how we go back next season I don't see how Jack shows up and goes hey had a crazy summer hey where's Stassi I guess I just won't talk about it like how do we even go back to that I mean I stayed watching ER until the end Oh my God! Did I was you watching that last sixteen seasons. I was watching it in two thousand and two. Okay, when <laughs> so you probably still watch Grey's Anatomy then too? No, that I never was as into. ER was special. But... I watched up until Anthony Edwards. Uh, spoiler alert: died his character, <laughs> the brain cancer. I, yes, I, I watched, stuck on after that. I watched until that episode, and then uh, I I quit after that. Yeah, most people oh, and then did. I, I went back and watched. When was when or I don't know if this was before he died or after was when uh, Juliana Margulies retired and George Clooney popped back up. Yep, I watched back. I mean, all the way until like Noah Wiley went to West Africa and I think Thandi Newton was there and they were I don't even remember. I well, this is a fun fact. When I was in college, I came out and I did an episode of ER on one of the first seasons. It was when. Somebody had a rocket launcher in the ER and there was a shot that went off and uh, I was the guy that came in to fix the, uh, the, 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 the rocket launcher wall. But the coolest thing was, was I got to meet everybody that week and it was the height of ER's fame, I think. It was right before they did the live episode, if you remember all the way back then. They yes. did like a live episode. But George, like I remember Cameron Diaz came to the set. This was before she was Cameron Diaz. This is before There's Something About Mary. She yep. was just like an independent film darling. She had done The Mask, but then she had done independent films. She came in and she's like, hey, I'm just looking for George. And like she happened to like walk up to me. I was like right where the door was. And I was like, oh, I'll tell him you pop by. I don't think he's here yet. And I knew who she was, but it, it was before, cause I was just like a nerd like that. And then George Clooney came in and I was like, Mr. Clooney, um, Cameron, uh, Cameron Diaz uh, came in and looking for you. And he's like, what? He goes, let's go find her. And he brought me in his no, golf cart. Brian! And we, 
She was at Joel Schumacher, the late Joel Schumacher's office. He had an office on the Warner Brothers lot where, by the way, George Clooney would spend his time playing basketball in between scenes. And he took me, and I was a college kid, he took me around and uh, she wasn't at the office, but we came back. But he was so nice. He was just like, hey, come on in. You want to come in? What are you doing? You're working this week? And he was so nice. He was so cool. Uh, and I will always, I will always remember that. Like everybody, no, Wiley was nice. Everybody was nice. Oh, everybody was I nice on that show. I loved them. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, that was a little diversion. Little yeah, everybody's, detour. Everybody's like, uh, TRL and ER, what are those? <laughs> well, the only set I've ever been on, there's uh, Stassi shaking her, shaking her collar. The only- By the way, did you ever think about renaming Stassi no, after I mean, the Stassi she's, debacle? She still is a little white bitch. So, you know- it fits. <laughs> Have you checked this Stasi's Twitter account or anything like that? Is is everything okay? With Everything's your okay. You know, I mean, I haven't been following as much with Stasi and Bo. I uh, yeah. I, did you hear Vanderpump Dogs? They just announced that today. On Peacock Television? Well, Peacock is the NBC streaming service, but they're going to have original programming. But that was the rumor anyways, was that we all That's thought they were going to do a Vanderpump Dogs so spinoff. Mad. They were doing a Vanderpump Dog spinoff and they just like, I guess, informally announced it. But I hope I hope they've checked all those animals Twitter accounts and made sure there's nothing problematic in there. So, I mean, I'm not sure exactly how Stassi feels about Black Lives Matter, but, you know, I've been yeah. doing a lot of education with her. Yeah, you got to. You got to. It's so important. <laughs> no, she's she's a sweet dog. In D.C., most people don't know who Stassi Schroeder is, but they think that I've named after her after the East German secret police Stasi. Oh, Jesus. which is worse. Oh, my God. <laughs> and as a Jew. I'm like, oh, dear God, what do they think of me? <laughs> it is funny, though, how wrapped up in these reality shows you get where when all that Vanderpump Rules thing were happening, like I almost forgot about the pandemic. You know, I almost forgot, you know, we had such an important thing with Black Lives Matter and stuff. But like I get so invested in these shows, I usually see somebody like walking down the street in like abject terror and i'll be like uh oh, vanderpump huh and they'll be like no there's a fucking pandemic you idiot like <laughs> like i'm just so in this bubble right well i just want a quick story the only set i've ever been on was the west wing because oh that's an they, amazing one right so they were taping bartlett's inauguration parade the second one so when he went a second term they taped it in dc and i was a freshman at gw and this was before social media before facebook anything and there was a rumor hey we hear that they're taping and so me and a couple friends just went where we thought that they were and of course they were taping and there were all these extras and we just pretended to be extras I got caught and they removed me, <laughs> but not before I met Allison Janney and like Josh Malina, like all of them. Yeah. They were yeah, so I mean, that's, great. That's a crazy show to think about now in retrospect and where we are politically, you know, and uh, yeah. but Aaron, Aaron Sorkin's a hell of a writer. He just, no, no matter if you love him or hate him, he's, he's a very specific type writer. And as an acting teacher and all that, you know, as an actor, those words, you know, you, He's one of the greats for actors, you know, where you're just like, man, you can eat up an Aaron Sorkin monologue. It's so performative. It might not be necessarily real, but it is so the temp. It's like it's like music. His strips are like music for actors. And it's not necessarily how people speak, but it's just so on top of each other. It's a lot like Roni, actually. I Roni was going to say has that like very, a Ramona monologue. 
yeah, but the way they interject with each other, even like last night, the way, you know, that when they're falling over eating the Chinese food <laughs> and you have the Dorinda, you have the Dorinda Luann, like give it, give, give Sonia money, Luann. She, she loves you, Luann. She loves you. And like, you just had Sonia just eating, like shoving Chinese food into her mouth and Dorinda, I mean, you just had even then Len, the housekeeper threw in a line, like just eat food now. You, you just eat food, you know? <laughs> know? And it was like, it was insane. It was, there was so much happening. I cannot believe we fit it into just a one hour episode. I'm telling you, I will watch because I'll probably talk about that episode on my podcast next week and I'll have to watch it and I'm not joking. I will watch it three or four more times because yeah. I was trying to take notes for this and I couldn't take it at, like I can usually take notes at a pretty quick rate. I couldn't do it. There was so much happening, so much in each moment. There were four things happening on this episode. It was, I've not seen something move this quickly, probably since the Cartagena episode where they were all at dinner and there was yeah. so much happening at that one dinner that you had to keep pausing and rewatching to just to capture it all. Well, even, I mean, and this is an episode I thought everybody liked this season too, was the Tiki Torch, uh, Ramona's yes. Berkshire's house was, you know, at least we had the split story of you had the women inside, you had Dorinda, Elise, and Luann inside talking about relationships and Ramona and outside you had Tinsley, Leah and, and Sonia. Sonia going batshit. And then it was like a summer loving vibe where like they were going back and forth, forth editing. And, mm-hmm. uh, but this, so it was a little easier. It was insane, crazy, but at least you had those split uh, stories. So you, your attention could go back and forth, but this, it was just one gigantic mess and it was a thrilling mess, but it was a mess all the same where you're like, I, my head's going to explode. Like I need, I, I, there's so much happening. There is so much. Let's see if, let's see what you were able to capture versus me. Cause I was furiously taking notes also yes. like it's crazy. So it starts out only 40 minutes after that huge blow up between Luann, not wanting to pay Sonia for being in her cabaret show. Wait, wait, and- which by the way, <laughs> which by the way, I hate to break, like I, I would kill to see Sonia as part of count I've seen Countess's cabaret show two times. Countess needs to get off her high horse. I would pay extra to see Sonia Morgan there. So would I would I. Pay, and by and by the way, uh also Sonia should if, if Luann's only gonna give two hundred and twenty-five dollars, that's ridiculous. That's I paid shame. I think I paid eighty dollars to go see Countess last time. I paid like ninety-five dollars. Think about that. And she can two hundred and twenty-five dollars. She sold out a I'm not joking like the Wiltern which I think is like a 3,000 person venue something insane she sold out and the Warner Theater in DC when I, mean, I saw her $25 is not that I mean that is I mean it, I almost feel like she's Lou Perlman with fucking NSYNC or Backstreet Boys like that's like taking advantage if you she, want somebody she was she was it's, it's like the whole narrative of scamming the artist and not and then we talk a lot about like unpaid labor you know especially with like the movement of like Black Lives Matter and taking away people's you know and it's like Sonia yeah. should be paid for this and the fact that she wouldn't let go was so it she just it just trigger something in her where she goes full-blown narcissist and it just talks about her show and it's her cabaret and you don't get to be in my show it was insane then i mean i mean i mean no but let's let's that it's that's insane like the you really see a sickness where 
she needs it so bad. She needs the to be a cabaret star so bad, and she's so protective of it that even in that open, like when 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 uh, Ramona gets her food and she's talking to the other ladies of like she's like ah yeah I think Sonia did it first anyways like you know because remember we did see oh, Sonia's got yes, her cabaret runs in goes I'm listening I hear what you're saying I hear, like she's so protective of it because she knows she's a fraud at yeah. the end of the day. She knows she's a fraud and it's a very scary place psychologically to be. So she's very protective of it. And she's going to shout louder than you to protect her baby, because this is the first thing in her life that is hers. It's not, it's not because she married somebody it's, it's hers. So she needs to protect that. It needs to be hers. If somebody gives Sonia credit for it, that ruins her whole thing in her mind. And her sense of self. And that's what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It, it was wild. And then Dorinda, in the middle of all this, walks in in this beautiful sparkly dress with these <laughs> incredible <laughs> sleeves, just like. And, and shit canned wasted, by the way. But they're hammered wasted they in were this dress. So, these women are always drunk. But it's funny. They seem to differentiate between rosé drunk and other drunk and yes. martini drunk. They know what happens. And the like later in the episode, she's like, it was the rosé. I'm like, it's not just the uh, rosé. I mean, by the way, that uh, that was a sad. So last night was really dark for me. Like, I felt the opposite of you where I when when that that scene happened with Dorinda saying the next day after that fight with Luann and then everything was back to normal, she's like, I don't like to use liquor as an excuse, but can we just this one time? And and they were like, nothing happened. That was the darkest scene of this year of reality TV series. Because I got to tell you, I really do at this moment think Dorinda has a big alcohol problem. Like yeah. I, I thought it was like okay, like she no, like like I like last this week's for a episode, long time. and we all have. But like last night, I really like because you got to remember the week before she had a little one-off line to Leah of, "Let's keep drinking." Like it was like this little small right. line that they subtitled, but and then they just moved past it, and then this to watch how Dorinda just lit into Luann, which is very drunk behavior of like normally she wouldn't do that, but it was just the time and the place. Drunk people do that. They'll fixate on one person and then they'll just go for that person, even if they don't really believe what they're saying, but they'll take a small nugget and expand on it. And then the next day to hear her joke around like, oh, it's, you know, it's just the rosé and oh, every, I love everybody. And like, not even apologetic, not even, oh my God, I'm so ashamed or embarrassed how I acted. None of that. Well, That's crazy. I've thought there was a problem, especially since Cartagena when or was it Mexico when she stabbed her hand and there was blood everywhere. And it was like <laughs> I was like, you hurt yourself while intoxicated. You literally hurt yourself. I mean, wouldn't that be anyways? We'll we'll get into some of the alcohol issues no, as it, it continues. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, well, by the way, it doesn't not. I mean, it's. It's, it's the whole thing now. It permeates yes. the whole show. It's not like it's not just, oh, that was a funny episode where they drank that one time. Now it's every episode, pretty much almost every scene, alcohol has its fingerprints over this entire season. It permeates the entire Real Housewives of New York, every storyline, every scene. I know. It's, it's insane. And Ramona, like, to go back to the Sonia and Luann thing, like Ramona has been hitting – she's been – 
really kind of narrating what we're all thinking. And I'm not used to Ramona playing that role on Roni, where she says Luann is using Sonia for laughs and not paying her. And then she also totally knocks it out of the park with Dorinda. Like, she has not fully mourned Richard. And so instead, she's angry. She bottles it all up. She drinks and she unleashes on people and she hurts them. And it's daggers. She finds the meanest thing that she can possibly say. And this time it was to Luann. She says, you're a drunken fool and you have a mugshot of your drunkenness. Yeah, you have a, a mug shot of your drunkenness, which, by the way, I sent that to my friend Kay at uh, Gold Half Moon, the Etsy store, because I was like, you need to make a T-shirt that says you have uh, you have a mug shot of your drunkenness. <laughs> so uh, but it was so mean because this is a part of Luann. This is the exact same thing she did to Luann in Cartagena when she was like, well, I don't have a mug shot. I mean, it's hitting Luann where it hurts the most. And you can stand up for Sonia without digging that low. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, but you know, it's so amazing. Those people that are alcoholics or drunk, drunken like that, and then can still laser like, t- like hit you with those. Like it's a great one liner. It's a great hurtful one liner that, cause then we saw Luann, you know, doing her crying bit. And a lot, I've seen a lot of people going like, well, that's as fake as crying as Ramona mm-hmm. was in the first episode. And I was like, no, I think that's how Luann cries. Like yep. it was like, oh, 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 just grasping oh, at oh, almost like oh, the pearls that are oh, non-existent. Oh, yeah, She's like, but, but oh, that deep, my like, God. oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody sent me a text of like, is that crying or orgasming? And I was like, it could be both. Like maybe that. that- and it's just it's so sad and and then of course Jorinda then brings up Giovanni again it's oh like oh my god all I gave you she, stole, gave she you knows Giovanni. what she, she knows what she did with the Giovanni thing and then then literally when Luann's trying to leave Dorinda passes the door and she goes feeling Giovanni and she's like I gave you that Giovanni thing and then gets in her face like she's about to hit her it is so and this Dorinda finds the meanest thing. Like, I'm never going to forgive her for the turkey baster comment to Tinsley. Oh, yeah. She finds I mean, the thing that is like... the that is someone's most personal, painful thing about themselves, whether it's their fertility, their issues with alcohol, their embarrassment, and she finds it and she shoves it in their face in the meanest possible way. And then the next day is a completely different person. How do you I mean, and the sad thing is, is that I don't, you know, just following Dorinda's social media, she doesn't seem like she gets it yet. She doesn't seem like she understands the behavior. And I know we saw her with a therapist early in the season, but I always am tempted to believe. Yeah, like I never believe those when it's on because a real therapist usually wouldn't want to be on screen. Uh, So I always tend to not believe that that's real. Um, But it's it, it seems like she's not woken up to what we all pretty you know that's why i say like reality shows you can say they're scripted you could say all tons of things but at the same time we always say this with acting is the camera can pick up your thoughts the camera by some weird alchemy picks up what is going on behind your eyes and we're a very sophisticated audience by this time and we see what i mean some of it's fake sure but we see pretty much even if somebody's faking we can usually see that pretty clearly but this you know we all I think can see what's going on with Dorinda pretty clearly. And it's just sad that I don't think, I think Dorinda's such a fighter that she's fighting it, you know? 
it's painful. And I do feel like my heart goes out to Dorinda. I very much understand, not understand, but like my mom also died of a liver failure. That's one of the things that killed Richard. I also went through a period where <laughs> two weeks before my mom died, my entire apartment burned down. <laughs> And I was homeless for for over six months, completely displaced. And she dealt with the flood. And it's just interesting that that flood happened and all of Richard's things were in the basement because she wasn't willing to go through. And it's something when someone dies that you go through their things and you box certain things up and you say, I'm going to come back to this. I'm going to come back to this. And you put it off as long as possible. And my dad recently sold our childhood home. So I was forced to go through things that I hadn't looked at since the funeral. And it brings these emotions and it is so deep and so painful that like I feel for her. But in a way she was saying it's kind of nice that everything flooded because it forced me to go through things. And it's it's like she keeps being forced to address Richard's death, but she's not doing it in a way. And I'm not saying that like there's the healthiest, like all grief is grief, but she's doing your grief and your pain is not an excuse to hurt other people. It's just that, not. That's the direction the river is headed for, Dorinda, though, is that I think the universe is saying like, hey, if you're not going to do it, we're going to force you to do we're it. We're going to force you to address and, the death of your husband. You know, it's so right is that I was cleaning out my garage after like putting it off for a year, uh, two weeks ago. And I, you know, was having to go through all the stuff with my, 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 my previous marriage, you know, not, mm-hmm. not married. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a present marriage, my previous marriage, but it was like very, uh, it was very like, it was, it, it really floored me for a week, I think. Cause it was been so long since I had seen those things and it brings up memories. It's just the natural way of, of memories. Like it just, that's how that things work. That's how life works. But I, I just hate it because I feel like we know where this story with Dorinda is going to end. Yep. Like the only way this story ends is if Dorinda accepts it and eventually goes into some sort of rehab, even if it's pride, like, and like kind of, because Dorinda's so amazing when she doesn't drink. Right. Dorinda, the, I mean, she celebrate. I think we celebrate these people yeah. for their bad behavior sometimes, whether it be Stassi or Dorinda, you know, but, uh, you know, because I made it nice and clip and all of these things that they're so celebrated for and they get so much positive attention for that. I, I've even had that in my, my times before where I felt like, well, was I funnier because I'd had a drink in that conversation? Was I more, you know, or but that's psychological. That's all in your head. And the thing about these women is they are amazing without any alcohol. And yes. I think they don't realize it. And so, I mean, you look at James Kennedy getting sober and he looks at his girlfriend, Raquel, and says, am I going to be enough without that's alcohol? The, see, that that is the exact, that's the summation of every thought in everybody's head, I would imagine, that has a problem. I've even have thought that in the past about myself is that like, it's just that lack of belief in yourself. You're, you know, just, yep. you're so scared. You're, it's a very scary. To, and by the way, cause even like we, I mean, I got to imagine, like I, I had this dark thought the other day of, uh, I don't know if you, you're fully into summer house, but Carl yeah. from summer house, you know, as uh, I think announced a couple months ago that he's been sober this entire quarantine and which is amazing. But there was even this sick part of me that was like, well, is it going to be any fun in the summer house? Then? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But like, yeah, that's yeah, even, yeah. you know, that's, and the thing is, of course he is. 
because human behavior is human behavior. Human behavior on any form is going to be fascinating. It actually might even be better because you I get more be to the, you get mm-hmm. more laser like focused instead of just like, well, I'm just watching a sloppy person and you get a numbed down version of who they are instead of the real version of who they are, which is, I got to tell you, way more fascinating sometimes. I'm more fascinated with Dorinda like just being who she is not drunk and we find out later in the episode and I'm glad that they showed it is that during the day before all this is filmed she goes to the Richard's grave site right and going to visit someone's grave always elicits emotions and so you know as soon as she got back to Bluestone Manor she started drinking and they didn't show like you know, that she visited the grave, but it kind of explains a lot of what happened since. Also, by the way, I, I've seen a couple uh, uh, this in the past two episodes. They're drinking out of Bluestone Manor mugs. Does Dorinda have a gift shop at Bluestone Manor? Because <laughs> I really want one of those mugs. I that says want Bluestone one Manor. I they they It was good product placement. I don't know if she sells those, but I was like, I want a Bluestone Manor mug. Like this looks, this, I, I, this is the sickness that I have watching these shows. I'm like, can I buy that? Like if, like when a V, like I was like, I'd bid on a Viva's leg if I could. Like, I, <laughs> you know that they've like improved prosthetics since then, so she's not even going to want that old. She one. probably doesn't want the old smelly leg. She's yeah, probably, I'll take the old smelly leg. <laughs> So Luann is crying and just leaves the house. Leah follows her and was like, let's go to a pub. Let's just go somewhere together. Of course, it has to be drinking, right? So then Leah goes to get Ramona to actually calm down Luann, which I thought was interesting. (laughs) Yeah. When you need to get Ramona Ramona. involved Mm -hmm. to calm somebody down, that's when you know the night is off the rails. Like, that's it's crazy. But at the same time, it was the right call because Sonia was upset with Luann. She couldn't use Sonia. Dorinda was just out of her mind. Elise is not useful in this moment. And Ramona knows Luann the longest and is probably the least out there drunk and can at least, you know, try and calm her down. And so... Yeah. <laughs> when they well, get to this, I, I can't believe that there is no footage of them at this bar. That pissed well, me because, off. Well, here's the deal. Think about our production. Luann really did this at a moment's notice. The crew did not have time oh. to get – also, you have to get permission to film places. You're right. They would also then need – like because I've been in these scenes before, like Vanderpump Rules. You need to sign a waiver when you walk in to an event where they film saying that your likeness might be seen on camera. So they did not have – whatever that bar is called that they were doing it at, they did not have time to send an they, – they only probably had so many people there. They couldn't – when this is happening at the station they already have, they did not have time to send production. So it was the last – so three of them ran off. The production probably didn't want them. Production probably told them not to, but Luann was going to do what Luann was going to do. So they they cut their losses and said, okay, we'll see you in the morning. That's what I imagine happened, but you're right. That's insane that we didn't get to see that footage. What about iPhone footage? Couldn't they have told Leah, who was the least drunk of all of them, hey – Take a little bit of footage on your iPhone. Yes. Well, also, what I would have done, too, is iPhone, and I would have used 
every bar and especially private bars there, you have usually a camera at the bar just making sure. I used to run a nightclub. You had cameras everywhere. Like a security I'm sure footage. Even if we could see security footage of just them <laughs> at the bar, how amazing would that be if you saw black and white security footage of uh, of Leah hitting on that bartender, of Luann trying to get on stage, even though the band doesn't want her on there. Come on. Like you, all you needed is like 30 seconds of that footage and it would have, we would have been delighted. And that's what I sometimes think. I don't know. I want to know the ins and outs of this stuff because in my head, I'm like, this is all so simple. It's the same thing with like quarantine shows. This is all so simple to me. I feel like nobody's thinking outside the box entirely when I think you could have some real, like, like the fact that we don't have uh, a show or a special based on the cameraman that film these. Like, I want to know about the cameraman who filmed Aviva throwing her leg. I want to know <laughs> from his perspective or her perspective what they saw. I want to know about the cameraman that's at the Berserkshires, what they, uh, what their opinion is of these moments. I want an I want an hour long special of the show behind the show of the cameraman having to go to his family that night and going like, hey, I don't know what I saw today, but it was like it was this wild. has got to be. I mean, they've got to be in therapy for some of these things. I want to know their stories. <laughs> they have to be. Yes. I wonder if Bravo covers it. <laughs> I mean, I would I would sincerely hope so. I would sincerely. I mean, by the way, after yeah, I would I would really hope so. So then the next morning. All is forgiven. And this it's is... It's like it doesn't it, like even... It didn't happen. I almost thought I was mentally ill because I was like, wait, did I... I was like, did I miss something? Did I miss a whole... Like, I literally thought, did I miss a whole segment? Because it it was like it didn't... Ramona walks out fresh as a daisy. Uh, Sonia's... Are, uh, Dorinda's already been up in the kitchen. Cooking. And she's like, what's up, girl? Like, and like, not even... Doesn't even look really hungover. Uh, it's it. It was like the an other thing etch a sketch where they just like moved it and then moved it back and just removed the drawing on the etch a sketch. It was I like I also want to com- know like, <laughs> do they give things to these? Like, I get if I drink too much, I get extremely hungover. I am much younger than these ladies. Why am it? Why is it killing me if I get if I have a couple drinks now? But for them, they can, they're up and at them. Like, what is happening? I don't, do you think it's Adderall? I don't mean, I don't know much about it. Well, I do, well, I do want to say that I did write this note down and this is alleged, this is something that I've made up entirely. But if you watch that first scene of this episode, when it was 40 minutes later and Ramona comes out to get the, uh, the, the food from the delivery driver. Yeah. She is talking 600 miles an hour. And she's like, Lynn made a nice, da, 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 da. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those fresh and I'm, I, I, I look pretty, but I'm rough. I'm, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, is, is, is there cocaine involved here? Like oh, it was so yeah. fast. She was sucking so fast that I was like, this is, I go back and watch that first scene. Cause I'm like, she is talking so fast that I was, I, I was, I was like, how do you, how are you that up and at him 40 minutes later? I have no idea, but it's, it, it's either that or it's some sort of, like superior genetics where you that's can what, just see that's the other thing that's what i'm like i do believe that like once you're like a celebrity you're you have access to like stuff that like makes you look better and you know feel better like i believe there is a celebrity glow up that you just get to see i mean it might be an illuminati thing i don't know <laughs> so dorinda it was so oh my one of my favorite parts of the whole episode is when Sonia is in her bed and 
Elise comes in the bed with Sonia and then Leah comes in the room and Elise was like, was it worth going out? And Leah says, yeah, you know, I mean, there were a lot of like, you know, 90 year olds there. And Sonia's like, 90? I should have gone. Also, by the way, I, I got to say, like, I'm really like I'm starting to like Elise more and especially Elise on social media. But the funny thing is that scene the night before. I kept forgetting Elise was there because she did not say a word during these arguments. She did not like, she like the camera would pick her up and I'd be like, Oh fuck, Elise is there. I forgot. Like I, she, I, I, it's fascinating. She, when the fighting really starts happening, she fully steps out. She, and I don't even think she's scared. She just like, seems like the person that watches. Yep. And, uh, to me it's a fascinating like just go back and watch like she doesn't say anything i think i i want to know more about elise i want to know about her wall street past i want to know i i think she has stories to tell i I just like the way she speaks too because she has that very very what is that it's like a an upper crust like jewish like how are you doing? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how do you, yeah. I got to tell you something, Ramona Singer. You know, it's like bear, like bear, an bear, upper bear. West Side sort of, yeah, even though like she's very, not a West Sider. Well, you watch that cameo she did yesterday where yes. she, well, like the way she speaks, I got to tell you something. Like she's hitting like, it's it's a fascinating way of speaking. I, I'm obsessed with it. But we just haven't got to hear it this much this season. I I am here for Elise. I am. So Dorinda then apologizes to, she calls Luann and like, they both basically just forgive each other. And immediately, immediately, immediately. And then they're like, what happened? And Dorinda goes, Rosé happened. (laughs) They're they're literally making fun of like a deep alcoholic problem. And it was like, (laughs) I don't like to use alcohol as, as an excuse, but can we just this one time? I'm like, Girl, you've used alcohol as an excuse multiple times over Every the time. years. And then this is kind of what... Poor upset. Lynn. By the way, Lynn needs combat pay as well. <laughs> combat pay. That is exactly what it is. You know what? These cameramen deserve combat pay when they stay overnight at the Berkshires. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Sonia, like, doesn't want to forgive Luann so quickly, But And she tells Elise, like, I'm not going to run up and hug Luann when we go shopping. Restrain me. And Elise is like, really? You need to be restrained? And as soon as Sonia steps out of that vehicle, her and Luann embrace. She's got no, and I love Sonia, but I wish she stood a little bit stronger and stood up for herself. It's as if she thought Luann learned her lesson by being berated by Dorinda and she didn't have to do anything else after that. It was so weird. Yeah, I don't get it. I, I don't. I, at this point, I, I mean, that, that, this is the point when I started to just be like, am, I just got to, I just have to let go and just go with this episode because I was like, this is not, it's like a Twilight Zone thing for me. I was just like this. And this is also what I guess makes Roni really amazing is because these are deep-seated friendships. Yep. And I guess, you know, in the reality of those situations, you know, like I've seen stuff like that happen. Like, I mean, we used to go to, me and my friend group used to go to Coachella every year and we would, you know, the older we got, we got like, we we would rent better houses, but it would still be the same drunken mess. And like, I, I've seen drunken fights with my friends and then the next morning wake up. I'm like, ah, <laughs> you know, I've seen that, but I guess it's just watching it and you're not involved in it really highlights how dark it is. Well, and to go so deep, like there's, drunken arguments and then there is 
pointing out people's most insecure pieces of themselves and just that that's where I feel like it goes too far yeah so then they go shopping we get some really good nuggets of info we hear that Leah peed on a prince once in the shower <laughs> Luann's response okay, this is oh. all stuff that hurts me this is all stuff that hurts me to hear about Leah okay. and I guess can we talk I about Leah if- I guess if I need to be peed on, I'll be peed on, you know? I think that you and Leah should be together. Well, I really believe it. Of course, I, of course, I agree with you. Here's the, and the funny thing is, I don't think you've listened to it this week, but if you listen to this week's episode with Hannah Burner, the episode starts with me informing the audience that I uh, got let go of my job of 13 years. The coolest thing that somebody did though well, cool and borderline, maybe stalker. I don't know. Somebody <laughs> reached out. Somebody reached out to Leah, and must have explained my situation. This wasn't even a cameo, uh, a paid cameo. Sh- Leah sent this girl a video message to me, <gasps> saying, "I heard about your job of thirteen years. Hang in there. Focus on the podcast. You can do this. The podcast is where it's at. I'm telling you." Things like this happen for a reason. She gave me this minute long pep talk and it was, and I put that at the beginning of this week's episode because it really shocked, shocked me that somebody reached out to her. By the way, poor Leah gets now tagged in so many things with me that like, <laughs> I like she must really be scared at this point. Like the thing is, I love Leah. I do. I love Leah. Uh, by the way, I will say though, in my defense, I do love Leah, but in my defense, I saw the guy she hooked up with from that bar. Yes. I am you are. I am just as good looking as that guy. I am totally. just I have a You've more got trimmed the beard. Up beard. Totally. I was beard. like that that is as soon as I saw the guy that she was yes. hitting on at the bar, I was like, Ryan, you've got an in. Just I literally bags, almost went and applied to, to that bar. I went up and almost applied to that bar last <laughs> night. I was like, on the off chance that Leah pops in next year, I could be that. Imagine you guys watching an episode, <laughs> and then all of a sudden I get brought in as like a guy like, hey, what's up? Like, wouldn't every, and no, I, I don't say anything. I'm just like, what's up? What's up? I like, do not think it is out of the realm of possibility. Well, we're going to, uh, we're going to manifest Amanda Hurst, this. Amanda Hurst, the not skinny, but not fat, uh, uh, host, she said because she had interviewed Leah, she had interviewed about slipping into somebody's DMs, and I don't like in my head. I was like, does slipping in DMs mean like you send like a dick pic? Like, what do you? What is slipping in DMs? <laughs> I mean? think you just send a message, right? That's what. It, but that. But in my head, it was like, oh, it has I, to I be. I thought it meant. I no, no, I'm in the wrong. I just thought it is just a normal message. But yeah. I thought when you slide into somebody's slide, DMs, not slip. <laughs> I thought. <laughs> when you awkwardly fall in somebody's DMs, no, in my head, in my sick head, I was like, "Does that mean you send no, like a sexy no, pic?" No, I think. Leah- and I was like, and I was like, because I don't know, I don't, I'm not a big. Like I slide in people's DMs, I guess all the time because I love talking to people on Instagram. But I didn't think it was sliding in DMs. I thought sliding in DMs meant like, "Hey, it's sexy time," you know. Like I thought that's what it meant. No, I think she would. I think she would really like you if you no, she met you. No, because I'm a podcaster in this realm. Like, there's no, there's just, there's no possibly. She I, dated no, a guy whose only claim to fame was that he sold pita bread to all of the hummus and falafel restaurants okay. in New York City. But that, but, but I, it means he has a business. It means he's like, like that guy, I thought about that too. I was like, who cares about pita? But then at the end of the day, he's big in the PETA world and that must make Leah happy. Like she's with a successful PETA guy. I got to get successful at something and then maybe I can, maybe I can get in there. You know, I don't think so. I think you are successful already. 
with your podcast. So many people love it. No, and I know, but I it's in that. Re- I think has. I got to be successful at something more than something that involves her. Like maybe I. I mean. I just have to think of something. I need to start a side business that gets, all I have to do is start a side business that gets extremely successful <laughs> and then I have a shot. So that's, I think that can be done within this next couple month period, especially that I have time off from my, my old job. If I start some kind of side hustle that turns out to be huge, I just got to think of a side hustle. Like what is my Uber? Like what is my, uh, what is my, what is your PETA IV- business? Yeah, what is my PETA business? And then I got to then, whatever that business is, I got to send her a photo with whatever the business is over my private parts like that PETA guy did. And so it's got also, it's also got to, like, what if my side business is like, uh, I'm trying to like pool toys or something. And then I just be with like a big (laughs) rubber ducky over my privates or something. Anyways, I've thought, I've thought about it. She has, you know what? She is financially secure. She's a good mom. She has, she owns her apartment. Like she doesn't need a man to do all those things. And she doesn't doesn't. want a man to do those things. I think she wants actual companionship and someone to laugh with. That's what I think she wants. So is that the DM? Hey, I hear you're looking for actual companionship. Companionship. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, it's not creepy at all that I've talked about this on my podcast, your podcast, Instagram. I I love that there's a whole relationship that she has no uh, idea except that she's probably getting used to seeing so bad it's good uh, people tagging uh, her or me in posts about her or me. So I love that there is a relationship that doesn't exist. But I will say I'm also... Um, I talk big on like your podcast and my podcast, but when I'm off, uh, Mike, I'm very, my friends can attest to this. I'm very nervous. I get very scared. And also I was the kind of guy when I was like, no girls liked me growing up. I was the guy that like, I remember I was you don't in love know with that. This. Maybe they just yeah, never told well, you Well, the girls now, because like there were a couple of girls that I even liked in elementary school and high school or junior high. And I would be like, I liked them. And it was like, I just learned to not tell people I like them because they always ended up rejecting me. So I get really ultra paranoid. Like even with the Leah thing, I was like, don't tell Leah I like her. Don't tell Leah I like her. <laughs> I have no relationship with Leah. It does not matter if she knows. And I'm like, don't tell her. I don't want her to think I'm weird. I don't, cause I always like was, I was always the guy too of like, well, even if I can't, even if they don't like me, at least I can be their friend. You know, like that was like, I'd always like tell myself that like, well, but I always thought in my sick head that like, well, then they won't even want to be my friend if they know that I like them. It, well, this is not my therapy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, to do this to I, no, I really think that you have a true shot with Leah. The, the biggest thing holding you back is that you is are me. not in New York City. Oh, okay. I, and the New York City thing. Yeah. Yes. Uh, m- and is me, in your head. Like, you, you know, just need cool to not care. Episodes right now, what you sh- would be cool is if you, sky- if you zoomed in Leah right now and said, I've got a surprise for you, Ryan. And then you watched our awkward first date right now. <laughs> that would be and that's, incredible. Boy, I got to say, for I would pay episodes, good money for that I at this say, point. That's your bad. You should have done that. That's some, that's an opportunity you missed. Also, you know, you are looking for health insurance at this point. So like marrying Leah <laughs> wait, wait, for health wait, insurance. <laughs> wait, what about this? What about this? Maybe married to the mob is looking for some kind of employee. I go and I, 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 I lie on my resume and say I'm huge in the streetwear or I like intern. <laughs> You're I like, intern for as a free. fellow white person who is involved in streetwear. Yeah. <laughs> like, let me take I in, But what it is, I, I intern for her for free. I use a different name so she doesn't recognize my name. 
And then I become the best intern ever. And she like, oh my God. But then there's all obviously some chemistry no, bond between us. I don't think that's us. it. No? Okay. No, well, I don't think I, workplace dynamics are good. I think you say, listen, I'm a funny dude. I can make you laugh. There's nothing I can bring you that you can't already get yourself. See, now I feel like Dorinda, I'm like, I'm not a funny dude unless I drink. Maybe no, I need to have a drink. We're not going to go down that road, Ryan. We are not going to go there. <laughs> you listen to me. You listen to me. I love you, Leah. Um, how excited were you to see Melinda, Dorinda's Melinda sister? Gates? Oh, uh, yes. I mean, by the way, what, I mean... What parents name their children Melinda, Melinda and Dorinda? Because when you're it, angry at your kids, like you get their names wrong. Like my dad awesome used to yell to at me and called me. Like he used to, my dad would get angry with me and call me Ben because that's my brother's name. <laughs> like he would just my, be so frustrated. <laughs> my mom calls me my nephew. My, well, my mom's now in that. She calls me my nephew's name, uh, Connor. It's like Connor, Connor. I'm like, she's like, oh, Ryan, Connor, right. And she calls Connor, Ryan. It's, it's insane. But Durant, Melinda looks, you could tell like they're related. But, but at the same time, totally have completely different looks. It's very much like uh, uh, very similar to Rosie from New, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. I, you know, just that vibe. That vibe. I love it. Um, then we found out about Elisa's alter ego, Erica, when she was a party girl back on Wall Street. Yeah, that's I mean, that these are like there are certain things that I need prequels for. Uh, so one many. is one is Dorit uh, and her Italian fiance. Yes, her Antonio. Italian lover. Yes, I need I need a prequel of of Dorit in Italy. I need that prequel, and I need a prequel of Elise in Wall Street with the stripper. I, I need I need to see how this because I can't. There's nothing. I have a strong imagination. I think one of the best in the biz, and I cannot imagine this to save my life. So I need to see it with my own eyes. I know. No, if you ever had a time machine, what would you because my time machine wouldn't be used for good. It would be literally like to go to places like Aviva throwing her leg to go to uh, <laughs> to go to Italy and see Dorit and Antonio. I kind of like would want to see Scary Island and see, really want to know what happened with Kelly Ben Simone and if they thought she yeah. was a danger to herself or others. That's what I would use the time machine for. And that's why the technology doesn't exist. Wait, what if that? What if I spend these next few months inventing a time machine and then Leah has to love me? What if that's my side hustle? <laughs> I invent time travel. Leah, which part of your complete drunken 20s would you like to go back to? <laughs> would you like what to relive? Wait, 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 what if I was there the night Leah got her teeth knocked out by the cops <gasps> and I saved her from that teeth knockout, but then her life no. would have been completely different. Yeah, her life would have been completely different. She I wasn't ready for you the... at that point in her life. So true. So <laughs> so true. We, and by the way, now we're both solid, uh, psychologically stable people, and now is the perfect time for us to get together. Yeah. Quarantine. It's not like she's really been around anyone. I think it's going to be great because at our wedding we can just play an hour long of podcast clips where I've talked about my <laughs> love of Leah, and it'll just slowly creep everybody out at the wedding, and then I'll just be there with a smile on my face, just staring. I I can see it. We're going to manifest it. So Heather Holla Thompson shows up. And Holla. so do Dorinda's friends, Sam and Lyle, which we've never seen before. And I can't quite figure out who they are. They're these young men. It was like and, Bert and Ernie. It was like, it was right? like, I, I couldn't, I, and they never really fully explained. The, and at one point are? I thought Ramona was hitting on one of them briefly, but then I was like, no, I think they're together. Um, I thought was, they were together with each other. I thought they were that's, in a relationship exactly, together. Uh, exactly. I just, for one moment, I thought at that dinner table when Ramona leaned over 
I was thought Ramona might have been well, entertaining flirting. Well, she probably flirting. doesn't have the best gaydar. So yeah. I could see Ramona frequently hitting on gay young men. And sure. <laughs> not, but it was really interesting. So Ramona talks to Sam about finding a man, but says that it is difficult for her because she's in the top 1%. And, how it works. Oh my God. He was horrified. He's like, but don't you want a good guy? Like, does it matter? And she goes, she's like, not everyone has the life that I live and has two residences and travels. And I was like, little do you know, you're not going to be able to travel much. Like all of these things, all <laughs> wait, of these wait, wait. fights, like but the cabaret is not going to happen. Still did. But You're but right. Ramona still travels, by the way. Ramona Ramona still <sighs> goes to parties. Ramona still, she you know, Ramona is able to use both with residences. her everywhere she goes. Her do you COVID think... and her poopy pants. <laughs> I mean, do you think? Okay, with how hard New York City got hit with COVID, do you feel? I mean, and, and Leah's the only one who stayed. Maybe Elise did. I don't know. But Leah's the only one who stayed in New York City in March, April, May when it was so bad. And to see, I mean, they must all be livid with Ramona because even the ones that left, even when Dorinda went to Bluestone Manor, even when Luann went upstate to her weird circular house, like they physically distanced, they followed the rules. And I feel like Ramona is the only one of all of them that just didn't care. And they must be livid with it. Well, they are. You can tell. I mean, you can tell on social media. Yeah. Do you, you know? think, though, that's an excuse because they're already angry with her for things that happened during filming and now it's just easier to use that? Well, I think for Dorinda it is. Yes. Not for the rest of them. Yeah. But okay. also from what I hear, uh, the rest, the remainder of the season, I hear Ramona and Leah really get into it. Yeah. I well, think we start to see that next episode especially. Um, so supposedly that the the battle that between them now on social uh, has a lot to do with I think Ramona's behavior towards Leah in this latter half of the season. Well, Dorinda seems to really like Leah because she gives her a toast. And I'm not quite sure why she gave her a toast at that dinner because no one else got a toast. And then she says, Leah is a mini me with a lot more chutzpah. And I thought, good on you for your proper use of chutzpah, but it's usually (laughs) not always a positive thing. (laughs) (laughs) And then that bartender shows up. And that's when I knew Ryan. Screw, that, screw that dude, man. Like, that's when guy, I knew you I mean, wanted, no, not screw him. He proved that you have a good chance of being with her, that you are her type of guy. I, I will say, I saw that. And I was like, it's not impossible it's now. Not it's not impossible. impossible. Because Leah also is the type of girl that like, she's making conversation with a bartender and no offense to this bartender. He must've been, he might've been an amazing conversationalist. Um, but like if she's entertaining that, the only thing I don't have is some kind of oblivious, like, uh, I think I need to be like 20% more oblivious to not be as, um, you know, to not be as, uh, well, that's never, mind. I'm not, I'm taking this too seriously. I'm not even, I'm entertaining this now too much. You know what I need to be, you know? Okay. So that kind of wraps up the episode with her <laughs> sort of screaming, I'm so happy to be the only one here on my period. And then the episode ends. <laughs> no, we we see Dorinda talking to that bartender and all of that stuff. And then we get some previews for next week. 
I wonder if the bartender got one of the Bluestone Manor mugs to take home with him. <gasps> and I wonder if she yeah. still talks to that bartender. I wonder, like, could you, I mean, that bartender is so lucky. He got to stay over probably at Bluestone Manor in the Tahiti room or whatever. What, what was the room? The Moroccan her? room. The Moroccan room. Mm-hmm. And he got to stay there for free. Yeah, so like, much for is... nothing happening in the Moroccan room. <laughs> that's amazing that's amazing oh god it's yeah i mean (laughs) but by the way that's if dorinda ever needs money she if she put that on some kind of vrbo or airbnb and and i'm talking like charge a premium oh i mean like, i would I pay would, to say there i was thinking about that with sonia's townhouse I like if all of your over, friends got over together market value yeah but bluestone manor is so much nicer than yeah. you know sonia's townhouse and i would by the way and and if you throw lynn in lynn cooks for you oh my god you that throw woman. that in as part of the deal like and that would be i i would pay all my money it would and be she like would if tell i had, me money, I had nice it. boobs as I was, that's <laughs> what she did to Sonia yes. when Sonia was like, oh, I can't wear a bra with this dress because, you know, I've gained some weight and I have a little back fat. And she's like, it's OK. You have nice boobs. <laughs> yeah, Lynn's probably, I, I love their relationship with the people that work for them. Yes. Uh, you know, because Ramona has her, uh, I forgot her name that works for her at her, uh, you know, the they place all the have, mm-hmm. yeah, they all have people that work for them. And it's really funny. Their relationship sometimes seems way closer to these people than actual people in their lives you know right like, like len and dorinda their seem own very like len just listens to dorinda non-stop and then she'll throw in a ha dorinda you know like <laughs> it's like this sounding like it just dorinda gets to talk at somebody maybe that's why dorinda doesn't think she needs therapy we all need a Len, though. I be I, we all need a Len. No, Dorinda still needs there. I mean, even, <laughs> by the way, that's going to be the final straw. Len's like, you need help, Miss Dorinda. You know, like, <laughs> yes, we need an intervention with Len. Yeah. That is the key, Melinda, and then let's do a, you know, Berkster or a Bluestone Manor intervention, Berkshire. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I know that you have <clears throat> are been recapping a couple different reality shows that I have yet to see. And I am on the search for another reality show to watch during these rough times, especially <laughs> as, you know, Beverly Hills and New York are going to die down. They're both, you know, filming reunions shortly. Then we've got Potomac, which I am obsessed with. You know, I live in the August area. 2nd, August 2nd. But besides Potomac... What else is there? So, okay. I want to hear from you. Let me pitch you two shows. Now, the, these shows, you can, uh, the one you can find on the Bravo app and one you can find on Netflix. Now, uh, I recap both of these shows on my Patreon. Uh, so bad it's good, it's there. So, I recap each episode, but let me pitch you a, a one season wonder on Bravo from 2007, I believe, called NYC Prep. And it, it was, it's only eight episodes. It revolves around these prep school kids. Uh, there's one normal girl that is not a prep school kid, and she's thrown into the mix. But it's these these little little brats, these little stuck up brats that think they're adults and they're trying to be adults. But like one girl is trying to be a pop star. Her name is Kelly. Kelly with an exclamation point. And <laughs> <Kelly>. she, her <laughs> parents live in the. Ha- Sorry, the that just Hamptons. reminds me of Jeb's campaign in 2016. Oh, it was like Jeb. Yeah, yeah it <laughs> went went well. And Kelly's music career just went just as good as as Jeb's because uh, she's no longer making music. 
perfect. But uh, she she lives her parents live in the Hamptons and let her live in the city during the week uh, by herself. They got her an apartment in the city. She lives by herself with a her you know, with her brother high school. And she wants to be a pop star, but they know that's where the real pop star happens is you have to be in the city. There's a kid named PC who is uh, bisexual and he thinks he's better than everybody else. And he's like, it's just there. Sorry. Somebody's just gunning their engine down the street. Um, there is a girl uh, that has like a lion face. She's like, it looks like a proud lion and she is in love with PC and they're like best friends, even though he's, you know, not into her type, but like they have this like weird relationship. It's a really great thing because they're trying to act like adults, but they're not camera ready yet. Like, so all of it's kind of, it's really fascinating to watch because it's a time and place where they're on Blackberries, not iPhones. They're, they're way wealthier. They just, it's, it's such a New York feel. And especially watching during now and seeing everything that hit New York, the way it is, uh, you know, fashion weeks involved. You have Amanda Bynes cameos, you have Paris Hilton cameos. Um, it, it really is this amazing thing that is, 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 is not, it's, it, and it's just not perfectly baked or made like it's 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 wildly unfinished it's really rough around the edges it's not uh but it's fascinating to me it's like i remember watching it when it initially was on and i liked it and then to come back now um at this time by the way i think we really need to do that with more reality shows is take 10 years off it's like coming back to a good book like you know reading catcher in the rye every 10 years and seeing where it hits you you know where like eventually you think colden caulfield is like a complete (laughs) asshole you know like as you get older but these reality shows are the same way you can watch them 10 years later and see how they age on you and see how you age and how you respond to the material but that i would recommend to you and And then then also selling sunset on netflix before we get into selling sunset i was listening to one of your recaps about nyc prep and you mentioned that one of the girls was really into operation smile yes she yes she does all she that was her the big season finale is the Operation Smile event that she was putting on to make money for Cleft Palate Kids. So interestingly enough, there is a lot of drama surrounding Operation Smile. Uh, I bet. There is a really interesting New York Times piece on Operation Smile from 2011 because there are two Cleft Palate organizations. There's Operation Smile and then there's Smile Train. There's two. There's competing up. There's competing yes. cleft palate organizations. There Whoa. are, and Smile Train is different. So Operation Smile basically just takes American doctors, puts them in resource limited settings, does as many operations as possible, and then leaves. And I work in global health, and that is um, basically the the worst possible thing you could do. It's 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 some t- it disrupts what's happening, and you're not actually building the sustainable health system that is needed. You're basically yeah. going in and then leaving. And so, what Smile Train, my understanding of what it does, is that it actually builds the capacity of surgeons in country to be able to do these kinds of operations. And because there were these two competing organizations, they were pressured to merge. And there was so much drama with this merger that they basically, Smile Train freaked out a lot of their uh, people on their board. And there's this whole New York Times article about the fallout. So 
Wow. Just some, some insight from the NGO community. That's <laughs> the drama. I mean, I did wonder where opera, I haven't heard about Operation Smile in years. So I, I always wonder where, where, where they are now, which by the way, one of the girls also, this is fascinating. One of the girls on NYC prep, the one that wasn't a prep school kid is supposedly homeless now. And it, <gasps> Oh, sad. Like, because they did a Where Are They Now? And they can't find this girl. She has no social media accounts. But then there's a bunch of Reddit threads about this girl and, like, saying, like, they saw her uh, as a homeless girl off this one L, like, this one train stop in New York. And then they, they had a picture of her on a train from her boyfriend. And her boyfriend was all, like, uh, just looks very out of it and stuff like that. And she looked, and I just, like, it's shocking because she is the most innocent, precious girl in this series. That's and so heartbreaking. It's so heartbreaking. I mean, that, that, you know, so it's fascinating to, that's why you, you watch these shows and you, like, I kept thinking about this girl while I was rewatching it this past and just like, it just would break my heart. Like, I was just like, oh my God, that's what like the reality of reality is like, these, these are all still people, still people. And like, we make fun of it. I make fun of it in like a crazy way, but to hear something like that, you're just like, oh my God. Like, and you almost... It's just like, and if anybody's in New York and sees her, help her. Like, please, like, you know, yeah. like help her. But um, sorry, that really, <laughs> it just got really dark. I'm so sorry. Back uh, to Selling me, Sunset. Quick fart joke. Um, no, Selling Sunset. Now, Selling Sunset is trash. It okay. is wall-to-wall trash. Now, if you want a show that completely makes you feel mind-numbed, uh, it is so glossy. It is so glossy you could slide off it. It is It is from the <laughs> – it's Adam DeVello, the producer of The Hills, and that says everything you need to know. But the character development on The Hills, it, it makes The Hills look like Citizen Kane. Like this is <laughs> – it's about million-dollar real estate salesmen from the Oppenheim group, which is a place on sunset. And they are the it group. If you want million dollar mansions in the Hills, they not take, the agency, uh, not the agency. This is the Oppenheim group okay. now. So it's, and it's run by two twin bald headed brothers that I even like for the first time watching it. I only thought there was one guy. There's two bald headed guys. They just looked at twins. They run the Oppenheim group. And then it's just beautiful ladies that sell the mansions. And it's a cross between Million Dollar Listing and The Hills. And it is one of those things that doesn't work. But then by the fourth episode, because there's these 30-minute glossy episodes, and they're just like, it's like heavy music. There's a song for everything. Like if they're in LA, they're like, LA is wonderful. Like they'll do it like rocking, (laughs) rocking music. And they're, so by four episodes in, you're fully in. It's like, it's like TV Xanax where it's like, Okay. I don't I don't think I should be doing this, but I'll keep watching it. There's a lady named Mary who's a beautiful lady. She's 37 years old. She is uh, engaged in this show to a 24-year-old named Romaine from France who cannot speak a lick of English, but is one of the hottest dudes you will ever see. It'll be like, blah, blah, blah. like at one scene, Mary literally goes, <laughs> literally, literally goes, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> I don't know. Like, <laughs> like I, and, he, and they're smiling and laughing. They need and one like, of those translators, like from 90 oh, Day Fiance, where you speak yes, into it and it tells they, you what you're supposed to. Yeah. Anytime Romaine shows up, there's full scenes where I'm like, I have zero clue what's happening. I don't know what's happening. The girl in the scene doesn't know what's happening, but he's just so hot. That she's like, I can see the rest of my life with him. And good good on her. <laughs> but it, it's so, I mean, it's so, I recap those as well. But I really, there's two seasons, eight episodes per season. And there's going to be a third season at the beginning of August. And there is a girl named Christine in it, who's like the Lady Gaga. Or like she's okay, I've heard about insane Christine. insane outfits. She causes a lot of trouble. 
there's Chriselle from the Valley who used to be married to Justin Hartley from This Is Us, and that she's married oh. to him. But their divorce happens in this next season in <sighs> August. But he's never on the show. They just bring him up a lot. Yeah. There's a girl Heather that is engaged. Well, that is with a soccer player at the beginning, but then in this past season, she's with uh, Tarek from uh, HGTV. Or uh, she, he, uh, Ter- Ter- it's Tariq. it's one of the big Tariq. He has a he's he used to be married to a girl that looks exactly like this girl in Selling Sunset. Um, I feel like if I saw him, because I've seen enough HGTV. In yeah, passing. but he she's now with him, and they talk about him all the time. It it's insane. The show is insane. Because it's like, it just shows how much production can make things work. It's so, you're, it's like you're watching a movie. It is so well lit. The music is so pounding every scene that you're like, oh man, I think this might be amazing. Like you don't know. It tricks you into how, like thinking it's good. And then eventually you're like, I'm fully on board. But you should try it out because especially as a smart person, you can really look down on it in such a way that it'll really bring enjoyment to all of your lives. Like it's everybody out there that's watching Selling Sunday, you have to agree with me. It's not a good show, but I don't want it not in my life. Right. Okay. I need it in I'm my sold. life. I'm sold. I'm going to, I'm going to watch this and I'm going to listen to your Patreon you got, recaps. Okay, please. But you got to do so. You got to give Selling Sunset four episodes. Okay. Cause you're going, your immediate reaction is going to be to turn it off after one and say, what is going on? Let it hook you at four. And then, in fact, Netflix should like at four, they should make you pay extra after that because you're addicted at that point. It's, it's like, it's, I'm telling you, it's like crack. I've never smoked crack, by the way. I do not know what crack <laughs> is like. You crack me up, Brian. This has been so fun. Thank you so much Wait, for being on. Congratulations. Thank you Thanks. for doing this. By the way, and I keep saying this, you need to come on and I'm just so bad at scheduling because I do all this myself. Uh, so we just got to like, in like three weeks, come on. Sure. Let's, we'll just find, like, let's just, and uh, yes, yeah, I got to just, I can recap just do anything. It because I watch all the just, Bravo. We just got to do it because I'm so bad. Like I usually then piece things together and like, I'm, you, you should see my organization skills. You would understand <laughs> a little better. So, um, but congratulations on hundred episodes because most people don't ever get to this point in this. So this, that's amazing. I know, I'm kind of shocked. I haven't given up. <laughs> It's just been like a labor of love and and quarantine has really it's been kind of a shining bright spot you know everything's been so dark in the world everything has been so tough you know my real job it can get so depressing and then to be able to have this community of people who love reality tv and who have a shared language and a shared love and can laugh at both the shows can laugh at themselves and just kind of build each other up like that's all we need. We can get you know, through and, this together. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I say in every episode is that like things are dark, but you know what? If, if the the amount of cool people, podcasters and listeners that I've met through this experience gives me great faith and hope in that everything in the end of the day will be okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking not about just co- not about COVID in the I'm talking about Black Lives Matter. I'm talking about if you, if we can have a little hope that's going to get us so long. And if I see the people with their hearts open, like I see with other podcasters and other podcast listeners, I have great hope that we will all be okay. And that this, this group of people, this community that we have built 
we are going to be leading the way on some of these things. And I think that's amazing to take such a jokey, crappy thing like these reality shows can be, these so bad it's good things, mm -hmm. and turn them into some sort of positive in the end. It's going to take time and it's going to take hard work, but like I really do, it gives me great hope to know that people like you are out there and people like these listeners are out there because these listeners, it's insane. Like the amount Everyone of- Everyone is so incredible. The amount of support, the amount of the the the-, the the amount they're just they're brilliant in their own rights like i half the time i'm like god why don't, why don't you have a podcast like they'll bring up things that i'm not even thinking about you know i encourage I mean, everyone i remember yeah, talking but, but, to evelyn marley and be like just go for it just do your podcast come on yeah you know I mean, everyone uh, should just you know or just come on ours right yeah. share your brilliance yeah, with I mean, us. I, at this point I, I i tell the listeners i said at some point i don't plan on stopping so at this point i figure everybody is welcome to come on at some point it's just like yeah. getting in my face at the right time because i'm horrible at all the you know that's the thing i'm just horrible at life stuff like i'm good at the podcast stuff or i'm getting better at it but the life stuff like the scheduling stuff the just the cleaning my own room stuff like i'm bad at that you know you need to get an assistant it's like you. <laughs> I need to get like Sonia Morgan. You know, like, yes, the, you need interns. I work at Sonia Ryan in the city. <laughs> get yourself some interns. Then you wouldn't have had to clean out your garage and face I all those memories. <laughs> <laughs> no, my friend Megan actually helped me do that, and my friend Megan helped me clean out my garage. And I think she. I mean, she was. I think I was sitting there emotional, and she was like, "Come on, let's go, let's go." And I'm just like looking at like a picture of myself with like a. Uh, like this curly I used to have this Joey McIntyre style head with hair with like it was like a reverse triangle but it was like really <laughs> tight triangle. it was like really tight curls and I would just be like oh my you know it's like how many lives we lead during our lives you know you just forget about whole chapters of your life you know I know where can everybody find you if they don't already listen yeah, I mean, we all know. It's like everybody knows each other now. It's like so bad it's good with Ryan Bailey. You might be turned off because they're long podcasts. I get it. Uh, there are timestamps. So you can skip to the section that you like or to the guest you like. I, it does not hurt me at all. Uh, I've been doing extra long podcasts during quarantine, and it doesn't seem like quarantine and COVID are going anywhere. Uh, eventually, I'm going to probably split these podcasts up into two during the week. Um, uh, but I love doing the long, long podcast format just because I feel like I say this ad nauseum. I used to grow up on radio shows, these four hour radio shows. And I feel like it's an experience and I like that. It makes me feel good in my head. And, but I get that it's daunting for listeners. I get it. Some people love it. Some people hate it, but use the timestamps start there. They will eventually go shorter. They will eventually probably be split up. We're going to try a couple things, but uh, subscribe there. If you like it, give a five-star podcast. Like you're going to give, uh, uh, is this real life nation? You're going to give a five-star <laughs> to, to that as well, because guys don't realize that you hear it and you don't realize you can do a favor, a really uh, free solid is go up and hit that five-star thing. Cause it really does help your placement. Um, so do that for both of us. If you like us and um, on Instagram, so bad it's good with Ryan Bailey. It's, I just make a lot of jokey memes and you know stories and and i have so much fun with it so follow me there because it really i have a lot of fun with the instagram thank you so much ryan and we're Thanks gonna do this again this soon is, yes yes three weeks Hi, everyone. I am here with the lovely Erin Martin of the Pink Shade podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I am so excited about your 100th episode. Yay! That's so exciting. Thank you for having me on. 
Oh, of course. You're one of the first people I met kind of doing podcasting and love listening to you and Mary Payne talk about 90 Day Fiance as well as all of our favorite Bravo shows. But it has taken me so long and I have finally jumped in. (gasps) Welcome. I feel like... (laughs) Oh, I feel like a successful cult leader. Welcome. Welcome to the dark side. You will never get out alive. You will always be scarred by what you see on TLC. And you will find a whole group of people willing to talk about this show ad nauseum. That's the good news. Much like Bravo, there's a huge audience and we just can't stop talking about it. It's so funny. So I'm watching the heavily, uh, heavily, (laughs) happily ever after question mark. (laughs) And then also the 90 day the other way, which I really enjoy because it's, you know, I've lived abroad. I love seeing Americans in unusual situations where they're uncomfortable. And I also feel like if you're moving to another country for someone, there is some love there. It's not just like they're trying to get a visa the way that exactly kind of the 90 exactly. day fiance thing goes. The 90 day curse is that, you know, they just always have the old tired trope of they're just in it for a green card. And it's very like American centric and the families are all awful, you know, to the foreigners coming over. And so the other way, Mary Payne and I both agree on this. A lot of people do. It is the best of all of the version. I mean, we really love before the 90 days because that's also an American going abroad, but it's them figuring out if they want to even propose or if the relationship's going to work out for then the 90 days to happen in mm-hmm. the U.S. But the other way, yeah, you just get rid of that. And it's just, I mean, especially now, 2020, when we're all on lockdown, it's like a travel show. Yeah. It's a travel show with with a lot of disturbing relationships and some really beautiful ones like sweet baby Kenneth and Armando, who are our only hope of truth, beauty, and love this year. I love them. I love them. Everyone loves them. I mean, how amazing is it that even on a shit show like 90 Day, and they all are, they make them because of the drama, that we can see like a pure story like this. I mean, I find myself tearing up at their segments. Oh, I, I very much did. When when he was trying to tell his parents that he's gay, and he, mm-hmm. he told them three years earlier, but it did not go well. And to see his mom cry and say, you think I don't love you? Of course, you're my son. I love you. And it was just like, I'm tearing up. I'm like, this is all the feels. It's just a beautiful story. It really is. And, and, oh my God, this week when Armando make that, made that craft for Kenny, you know, and he's like, I don't have a lot of money, but I want to make a homemade gift for him. I'm like, what is this water streaming down my face? Like, why am I crying (laughs) at the learning channel? I cannot believe that, you know, but it's just, I'm, I'm so ready for it because it's been a while since we've seen a real true love match on any 90 day offshoot. And you know, there are like a million once you one. Like, girl, you better clean out your DVR if you set it to record 90 Day Fiance. It's like hard to keep track. And then there's the pillow You will get talk. like 20 recordings a week. So yes. it's like you watch the show and then you watch people watch the show. Um, and <laughs> I'm just trying to wrap my head around this. But watching the people watch the show is better than the show. 
Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you watch people watch the show and then they have something called B90 Strikes Back where the cast members of this past seasons before the 90 days are watching people watch the show and then commenting on people watching the show. It's like Inception. You're oh like, my what God. is even happening here? <laughs> It's like a reunion of a reunion of a reunion. And I, I mean, it's so far down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Just take care of your DVR, go clean it out every week because you will be getting like 20 different shows on there. Once you set it to 90 day, you don't know what's going to show up. On that it list. is so fascinating though. And to see the different American families and their reactions to foreigners coming into their family. And, and my family had a similar situation because my father is uh, from the Soviet Union And my mom was an American Jew. And so while they had a similar history, my dad came in 1979 and met my mom in 1980. And her family came in 1921 to the United States. And so, you know, they all spoke English, but her mom, you know, knew Yiddish. And my dad's parents knew Yiddish. And his both my mom's grandmother and my father's grandmother spoke like Yiddish and came from the very like very same village. And it was just like this amazing thing. But at the level of my dad's parents and my mom's parents, there was a lot of like confusion and miscommunication. And what it sounds like happened, at least in my family, is that my mom's father wanted to embrace the entire Soviet Jewish community that had come to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And so he... Milwaukee! Yes, that's where my parents met. And so he decided... And my parents were introverts, and my mom did not like a lot of attention on herself. He decided to extend the wedding invitation to all of the Russian Jews that had just moved to Milwaukee. (laughs) What? What? That's like half of Milwaukee. The rest is Polish. Polish Catholics and Russian Jews and Ukrainians. That's Milwaukee. It was insane. So... I still, when I go to Milwaukee to see family and I see people who are my mom's age, they always tell me, your parents' wedding was a party unlike any other wedding. (laughs) I bet. Did they all come? All of these strangers that were invited? And there was a klezmer band and there were a lot of drunk Russians making toasts that nobody understood. <laughs> and my mom would tell my dad, can you please stop them from being so drunk? <laughs> and my dad no, was you like, cannot. No, you cannot. <laughs> my husband grew, was born and raised in Milwaukee and his parents were first generation Polish. Yep. So my last name is actually Marcinkiewicz, not Martin. Oh. And... But my husband's father changed just their family's legal name when he was an adult before they had children to Martin. So the rest of my extended family on my husband's side are Marcinkiewicz's. We're the only Martins because he just took it upon himself to change it. Yeah. And yeah, it's like full. I mean, it, Milwaukee is so interesting. It's such a it's such an interesting place. You know, there are still neighborhoods that are fully, you know, one like one group of people who immigrated just a couple of generations ago, or even sometimes like five or six generations ago, but they stay, you know, it's not very mixed. 
it's an interesting place. It is. So I, I definitely yeah. enjoy the sort of 90 day and the different yeah. cultural issues that kind of come up in a marriage between two people that came from different backgrounds. Right. Like my right. dad and had most, never Most seen... of the time, the, the American is like hideous and awful too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, which is always, you know, really entertaining just watching like, you know, Angela march around Nigeria or, you know, Paul oh, bring Karini back. I, I, I know. I weirdly, I have a soft spot oh, for Oh, I love Angela. I do. She's living her true life. Oh my God. She is such a bully and she can be like super abusive. And so I'm, I'm admitting that I'm, I'm admitting that out loud. You know, she is very problematic and she has put her hands on people at reunions before. Oh, like, I didn't know Yeah. That. It's not, it's not good. It's not good, but I don't know. I still have a soft spot for her. I think that she and Michael do really dig each other. Yeah. In a way that maybe the first season they were on, we didn't quite, we didn't understand yet, but they really are sticking through years and years together at this point, you well, know? Angela reminds me a bit of Housewives and how you find, like, there these are women yeah. of a certain age and there is not yeah. a lot of space for them in pop culture or television, you know? And so to see them embracing all all spectrums of their emotions <laughs> and not holding all back, spe- <laughs> you know, is <laughs> I enjoy this, right? I'm like, you right. are in your fifties, express yourself because so just, many women just don't, don't hit anyone. No, 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 no. And I at people. Yeah. What I know, I know is it, just the last few weeks of watching this okay. show. <laughs> I know. So I don't know Angela, the background. <laughs> Angela's bra is the hero of the entire franchise. I mean, she totes everything in that bra. That brassiere, she's got a wallet clipped to the strap. She's got her phone shoved in one side. She's got a full passport in the other. She I mean, she could smuggle Michael back in her bra. <laughs> she puts it all in there. I do I do screenshots of her and I like zoom in, zoom in, zoom in, zoom in. And I try to make out like everything that's going on in that bra. I'm like, there's like 16 items in there. There's like full kitchen appliances in there. I love her bra <laughs> toting. I love it. When she comes to the reunions every year, she's like, all right, let me get my shit out of my bra. And she like, she actually like takes it out and puts it on a table. It's and there's like, like Mary Poppins oh, bag. There's an umbrella. There's a microwave. <laughs> it's amazing. I I very much appreciate that. And that's what I love about the housewives is I don't like when they get too young. I want to see women. Let's hold space for women in their 50s and 60s to live their most authentic lives. Yeah. So did you watch this week's Beverly Hills? Oh, I sure did. I watched it and it's all kind of fuzzy to me right now because I watched it with like my mouth hanging open. Like what's happening? Every cast member that we've ever seen on this franchise is at this party, but like three of them have new faces. Uh, (laughs) Eileen has like brown hair. What is happening? It was wild. You know, it was a good episode because it was the, you know, all kinds of (laughs) different. different generations of housewives of Beverly Hills coming together at this awful black and white party that Kyle insists on throwing. I would like to go to that party though. That looked like one I would have fun at. I mean, I don't know who I would hang out with. I know. Well, we could go together and just hang out with each other and spy on people. I would be Camille sitting like apart from everyone, just letting people come to me and call me an asshole if they want and then walk away again. (laughs) 
I'd hang out with Mauricio and see what kind of edibles he's having. Oh my God. He is so high all of the time. Like he has progressively gotten higher and higher every season. This season he is just stoned nonstop and I'm kind of here for it because he's just happy. He's out of shits to give. Like when she's like, we can't figure out the pool lights. Like we, the pool lights aren't coming on. Who do we call? And he goes, Ghostbusters. <laughs> That's amazing. So let's start at the beginning oh, of the God. episode. Okay. Let's so it, do it starts in Malibu with Kyle mm-hmm. going to Camille's new spot. Now, this is the reason I started watching the show. So I could see sun and beach and California. Exactly. Because and this house porn. Oh my also. God. This is aspirational yeah. living. Yep. Totally. Oh, I love her home. I would do anything to have that kind of a space by the water with the oh, seals. God, I know. I know the seals and the ocean. And I mean, I'm going to get nitpicky. I think the home has bad feng shui, but I, it's, it's gorgeous. Yeah, more the outdoor yeah. parts of the home. The I outdoor. Really... I mean, she is living the dream. When we look at something like that, it is, it's what Bravo presented to us, like what, 12, 13, however many years ago, it seems like a thousand years ago, like something we wouldn't necessarily see in our regular lives. I like that too. I love it. And it's so funny. It's like her and Denise living near the beach makes them like laid back as opposed to being in Beverly Hills. It's like, oh, we're the laid back Malibu ladies. (laughs) We wear jeans. I love Denise for wearing jeans at all times though. I will say that. I love that she does that. Definitely. So it's so funny. I can't tell if Kyle and Camille hanging out is forced by production or if they would otherwise, because they have such history, if they would eventually grab coffee. I don't think they would. I really feel like it's forced by production. Kyle is very comfortable being in fights with women. We have to remember her dynamic with her sisters she is very comfortable not speaking to someone for like six years and then coming back together with them again. That's how she's grown up. Her mom pitted the three of them against each other. They still pit each other against each other. I mean, she is like toxic with groups of women. That's how I see her. And mm-hmm. I've, I think she was raised to be such. And so I think she would probably be more willing to talk to Camille than Camille would to her okay. for the sake of the show. But that's just my uh, that's just my supposition. I don't really know what happened. Kyle is definitely pre- trying to produce this show. She's trying to be the omnipotent narrator in her confessionals. It's gross. I'm like, you're not the narrator. Like, you never will be. Denise should be the narrator of this show, in yeah. my mind. You know, because Denise is like real, uh, like celebrity, and they're all like fake celebrity, yes. and they hate that. They fucking hate that. She's got real celebrity, kids of celebrity. And so she's trying to protect them because she's in a war with Charlie Sheen, who also is a real name that people know. And they're all making it about this stupid housewife show that if I told my husband, like, do you know who Kyle Richards is? He'd be like, no. And I'm like, do you know who Denise Richards is? He'd be like, absolutely. Denise is the known person and they're trying to bring her down to their their level. I know I'm going off on a tangent, but I'm just so pissed off at, at how they're interacting with her as if she is on their level. She's not. Right. That's but what's I mean, happening in, in my mind. And Kyle is trying to produce it. Yeah. She is. She is. But when it comes to like what she wants her kids to hear when yes. they're around or not, I'm like, you need to listen to her. 
you know what? She's got major custody issues with Charlie Sheen. Yeah. She talked about that first scene when they were in New York this year. She hasn't talked about it since. I mean, and Lisa Rinna knows all the shit she deals with behind the scenes. And for Lisa Rinna this week to, to do that, like, awkward lunch date and bring it up to like the reality TV level. I realize Lisa is supposed to be the shit stirrer and she is, and she does her job well, but to do that to a real friend, I was like, you're disgusting. And I like Lisa Rinna, but I'm like, man, she's going low. Cause she knows what Denise deals with. Yeah. I was very confused. So then Denise and Rinna get lunch and they eat French fries and you know, Rinna eats no French fries. Um, no. She wouldn't even smell the French fries, lest a calorie would like, you know, go up her nose. <laughs> so um, it's interesting. This was the first time I saw Rinna break the fourth wall in this way, where she was like, Denise is using the show to try and change her image from last season. And no, that not. doesn't make sense to me. I do think there is. I do think Denise is upset with how much she spoke about her sex life and things like that last season. But, okay, here's where I don't understand about Denise. What she puts out into the world via this show, via her movies, via whatever, her kids are going to find out. They are slowly becoming adults. And there is something confusing to me about her thinking that they will never find out things that confuses me. I, I, I understand that. And I think that's what the ladies are trying to figure out too, but I see it differently. And of course, you know how you put yourself into these situations on a way different scale. But I think about me and like, I'm, I throw the F bomb. I talk about just shit shows, blah, blah, blah. I go crazy on the Jenny McCarthy show. You know, I'm very out there with a lot of stuff and I would never talk that way at my child's uh, Catholic school function. Totally. You know what I mean? There's a time and place. And so it's like, especially, and I get this because it wasn't just Denise's kids there. It were, it were her friends, their friends too. And for me, Mm -hmm. when it's my kid and my kid's friends, I mean, I am on my, I'm, I'm the mom, you know? And if I'm talking to a group of women, if we're going to like get loud and start talking about like, you know, anal or something, which believe me, we do not. But if, if, if something crazy is going to happen, of course, like we would all be like, oh my gosh, like don't, you know, the, these kids are going to talk. And so there is a time and place. That and I, I th- understand. It's yeah, just, it's when- just different. You can, you can be yourself as a woman and then you are in a different role when it's your kids and your kids' friends right there next to you. She just doesn't, dis- she doesn't explain herself in a way that I understand. Like all of that right. makes sense. And when she says, right. you know what, I like to, to keep my kids away from this, that also makes sense. But when totally. You keeps- know who understands it yeah. is Garcelle. Yes. Garcelle understands it because yes. she is also a professional. She's a professional. She, and she, she has- understands mm-hmm. you, you as, you know, the separate person, you know, an actress, and then you as the mom. She understands that. The rest of them are fakes. That's why they don't understand it. Well, they're Either I think Kyle is a fake like that, but I think what Rinna, what's different about Rinna, and I very much relate to her in this way, is there is only one version of Rinna. 
There is not a mom version of Rinna versus a professional version of Rinna versus a wife version of Rinna. Like she is the same Rinna in all facets of her life. And so she views it if you have like a different side of you that it's like fake. And that's not true. Most people compartmentalize and treat their husbands and children and their coworkers all a little bit differently, kind of, you know, and, and she doesn't do that. She treats her kids like she talks to them as if they're her friends. I think she would feel differently if she were a divorced mother yes. and if her ex was Charlie Sheen. Yes, exactly. But she's she, still married to the father of her children and so she can act however she wants without being sued. Yes, 100%. Yeah. So I think, and I am also the kind of person where I'm very similar personality. I don't change a lot in different settings and most right. people do make adjustments. So, you know, I... I could see where Ren is coming from. And I think since she hasn't gone through a tough divorce or a custody battle, that there is a blind spot there. Yeah, I and think same you're with right. Kyle. I think you're right. And Kyle doesn't understand that either. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but Rinna just, it really upsets me how she's treating Denise because they do allegedly have this history. Mm-hmm. And she knows what Denise has gone through. And she knows that these kids have been exposed to really horrific things, you know, Denise has taken in even Charlie's kids with his other, you know, addict wife. Yeah. And I mean, she's done, she's been through some shit and it's not like she is a bad person for saying, you know, Oh, the kids like, just be quiet a little bit, but they want to play it out. The Beverly Hills group really with Kyle at the helm of it always likes to just hang on to one trite subject and over and over and over again, beat it to death. And I feel, I feel Denise's pain when she's like, can we just drop it? Like, can we just like move on to something else? Can somebody get upset at someone else at this point? You know, what I don't yeah. like is that she's bringing Aaron everywhere that's with her issue. because he is a, he is problematic. Yes. Like that's not good. And she is causing the problem by keeping I him know. around. And I think the women, especially people like Erica, who can let things go, you know, we saw Erica move on with um, Dorit. You know, she let Pantygate go. She's now friends with Dorit and PK. Right. Like, she doesn't right. keep bringing it up from the past. So I think it's bringing Aaron around and then having him is not smart, both tactically or just it, it keeps the issue going. So it's like she wants everyone to get rid of it. But just like Kyle hangs on to it, he doesn't let anything go. And he has a chip on his shoulder and he doesn't like them. And he thinks everyone is below him. And he I know. And can we just such. say it? He is like, he's like a dumb person. He's not smart. You oh, know, like, yes. he's like but so he's the worst. Is the, I was talking about this last week. I was like, true, oh. smart people always have more to learn. They know that. So they Mm -hmm. ask a lot of questions. They never think they're as smart because they know there are so many things they still don't know. That's the mark of a smart person. He is like, I know this and I know this and I know this and I have all the answers and only me. And it's so crazy. And he's He's mean. He's mean and he's like a Scientology reject. He's not even like good enough (laughs) to get into the real cult. He started his own. 
he's so stupid. He's like the frequency and people are following me and big pharma. I'm like, uh, are you like in a cult of one? And But he, Denise is in it too now. She's like, yeah, people are following us and like, don't speak up too loudly. I'm like, oh, Denise, no, 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 no. He is just ridiculous. He's a ridiculous person. He and so is. he's not doing her any favors by coming along and, you know, mansplaining to everyone. It's really bad. The best part I thought of this whole episode was PK trying to talk to Aaron and saying, you know what? I know that you want to support your wife and I feel that too. I want to support my wife. But the best way to support your wife is by not fighting her battles for her. And that's something that I learned the hard way. Yeah, he did learn it the hard way. I mean, <laughs> PK was like the sweaty potato we did not need that he first season. He was such a sweaty potato and he's Jewish and it just was like, no, you're bringing shame to my people. Like <laughs> Seriously, he was like so involved in all the women's business the entire time. He was brought onto the reunion couch for a length of time. I want to say for like a whole like a whole episode, you know, it was like a three-part reunion. I remember his ass sitting on that couch for like maybe one whole night. And I was like, why are we looking at PK for a reunion segment this long? Because he was so involved in all the fights. So when he was telling Aaron this, I'm like, this man speaks from experience. Like he uh, made a huge mistake getting that involved. But Aaron doesn't want to hear anything from anyone. Did you hear that? Like, I know everyone was talking about it when it happened, but when they left Kyle's barbecue, whatever, that barbecue, non-barbecue situation, yeah. and he, and Aaron said, like, don't tell me to be quiet. I'm going to crush your hand. Yep. I was like, oh, no, that's not good. I don't, I don't trust him. I don't him. know. He... I don't trust him. He gives me this super creeps. But she's had such yeah. bad luck with men that he's the best of all of them. So she like thinks he's better than he is. Like just because he's not Charlie Sheen doesn't mean he's a good partner <laughs> and stepfather. <laughs> like, like you think the bar is low for yourself and then you look at that. Yeah. That, I mean, she, the bar has to be really low, you know? Oh my God. I don't, I don't know. He creeps me out. I, I am a... Not eagerly, but I'm anticipating the shit show that's going to be unleashed when Brandy starts yes. to spread her rumor around and how that's going to go. So you know, let's I go think in to how many people really showed messy. up to this party. Okay. <laughs> okay so how many people <laughs> and their new faces? Yes. Okay. You tell, I'm going to name the people and you're going to tell me what's different about them. <laughs> okay. okay. Sounds good. <laughs> Eileen Davidson. Brown hair. And... Uh, like weirdly, she—I don't know her. It, she's she's not doing like she doesn't look like she's doing any insane plastic surgery or anything. No. But she really did look different to me. Maybe it was just the hair. I think that made it her was look just so much different. And it was very ashy brown. It wasn't a warm brown. Yeah. So it kind of like it didn't suit her. It looked like a quarantine brown, like the kind <laughs> that we're all doing from the box. I was like, Eileen, did someone do that to you? Did you do that yourself? Like, what happened? And I love how she just doesn't care. Like, she's like, I'll she talk to Camille. I was yeah, just like, oh, whatever. <laughs> okay, we see the Maloofs, Adrian and Paul. Yeah, Adrian is turning into full-on cat lady from the yes. internet. I mean... Oh, God, it's just tragic when you see someone who's done way too much and doesn't need to, you know, she doesn't need to go that far. She really looks like wild, you Do know, you think that Paul is still doing her surgeries like as like part so. of their alimony. 
Oh my God. I don't think so because it looks so bad. <laughs> I think he would botched. do a better job. <laughs> Sorry. It shouldn't I, oh laugh God. at her face. It should not I, laugh at her face. Well, the thing is, is she she's a pretty lady. I mean, she, I don't know why it's like every time she comes ladies. on screen. I know, but every time she comes on screen, it's, you know, a year has gone by or six months or whatever. And it's like, whoa, what? Like, it's almost, it's shocking. It's startling. Mary Payne texted me last night and she's like, who is this woman claiming to be Adrienne Maloof? You know, like we were both shocked when we saw her. It was almost like her face was a balloon and someone had just kept blowing into it and blowing into it. And if they just deflated a little bit of the air, you could bit. see more features. Yes. And I know <laughs> it it's like, it so looks, mean. it actually, it looks painful. No, it actually I looks mean, painful. all of this stuff sounds painful that they do to their faces. And listen, I'm going to say right now, I'm a fan. Filler, Botox, procedure, do whatever you want. But it's it, it does get to a certain point where you're just like, oh, girl, you know, you're looking like you're from the Capitol and the Hunger Games. Yep. And like, it's not good. You don't not even look like human good. anymore. Yeah. Man, so then we see the morally corrupt Faye Resnick. Yeah, of course. You know, Kyle always has her in the background somewhere. She didn't really say anything, though. She was just like there to do a cheers and listen to Kyle ranting and raving in her terrible silk like gym pants or whatever she had on the night before. I don't even know what that was. We see Glenn, the party planner. Yes. He's a staple. He looks the same. He looks the same. He was sitting down like he could not have been bothered with the prep. Like, (laughs) did you see his scene where he was just like sitting there like Tony Soprano, just like laid out on a bench like, yeah, whatever. There's a dance floor. There's the chandelier. Yeah, okay, whatever. Fuck it. Because she always gets into, I feel like Kyle's the person that comes halfway through when things are being developed, was not part of the process, and then points out things that had you been part of the process, you would know the answer to. She did this with her fashion show and like the first scene, you know, of this this season where like everyone's annoyed. We all know how this fashion show is going to go and you're coming in and you're putzing with it. So just take your chutzpah and leave. Like totally, <laughs> just totally. get out. And that she's like, oh. she's the worst. She is like that. Yeah, she it's, she will come in and pretend like she's helping, and instead she's like, you know, annoying everyone who's actually doing the work, as mm-hmm. if she actually planned the party. She's always performing. That's Kyle. She's always performing. Absolutely. That's why Mauricio is uh-huh. high all the time. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Love him so much. I I can't wait until the day where he just like straight up walks around with a full bong in one hand. Like he just like openly is like, I am straight up. I have to be high to be on these cameras. And I don't know if he's doing it like all the time or if it's just when cameras around because he's like, this is such madness with all of these cameramen and producers and people and things in my home. And I have no control over this. So I am just going to laugh. Like, I'm just not going to take this too seriously. Exactly. Exactly. We've got Kathy and Kim. Oh, God. Here they come. Kim looked really healthy for that one night. I was happy to see that. She just had her surgery. I know. And she looked really good. And Kathy, of course, like, was barely featured because she just refuses to sink so low as to be, you know, on the camera too much of this total shit show. So, uh, yeah, I was glad to see that they were both there. I mean... It's always interesting to me when all three of the sisters are in one space because you never know what's going to happen. Now, nothing has happened yet, but 
you never know. Do you remember? It's, it's always, there's always a little like dramatic tension there because you're like, oh, but do you remember when this happen. happened in real time and it was on Instagram and we saw like, oh my god, this season, all the old people are coming back. Yes, that's right. There was a video of Kathy, Kim, and Kyle dancing and singing a song that was one of their mom's favorite songs. I can't remember, and it was on an Instagram live, and I thought, wow, they have come so that. far. Yeah, but you know what? They were probably performing. All right. I'm always suspicious when the three sisters are getting along. It's usually because they're banding together to hide something. I know that's, you know, not necessarily the most (laughs) positive (laughs) outlook, but usually when they when they band together, it's because it's against a common enemy of some kind. It is. I wonder who is this time. (laughs) It's not Brandy because they're all getting along with Brandy. I know. Could be Denise, you know? I don't I mean, think maybe, Kathy Hilton gives two shits. I think, but Kyle is really going hard for Denise and it is just wild. And Denise is really getting the hero edit and Kyle is getting the villain edit. And I don't think Kyle realizes that because nobody realizes that as they're shooting it. You know, Kyle's trying to produce herself, but the edit she's getting is not great. And uh, I think she's going to be, I think she's probably a bit shocked to see how this is unfolding with the audience. But this happened last season where she was yeah. shocked that the audience was on LVP's side. Or yeah, not that all was of the divided, audience, but, but yeah, true, true. They're yeah. always confused. Now, can we talk about the debut of Chris Jenner at this party? Uh, when they had the little Chiron under her name that said, Chris Jenner, Kyle's friend. I was like, oh, my God, the shade, the shade shade. from another network. (laughs) Kyle's friend. Oh, God, that was hilarious. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, Kyle was probably so thrilled that Kris Jenner showed up. You know what I was thrilled about secretly just being my petty self watching it? The fact that every single auction experience that these people were winning and, you know, paying top dollar for it was definitely going to be canceled in 2020. Oh, I kept thinking of that. I was like, oh, you want to go to Mexico for five days? Mexico won't let us in. Ha ha. Like the spas, the trips, the everything, everything these people like bid on was going to be canceled in a matter of like three months and they just didn't know it yet. So I was like, ha ha. You got to suffer with us. I thought it was nice that Dorit got all of those things together for Kyle. It was. I, you know, Dorit, I am here the for Dorit and PK on this show. I enjoy them. I am entertained by them. I don't care if they're living in their own fantasy. It works <laughs> for them. And I, I am entertained. And that is all I am asking for. And I don't That's think true. she thinks she's more important than anyone else. She's just living in her own reality she really is she really is i'm not here for the like little dutch boy hair flip up look that she oh, had the night I love, before i love any weird thing she does to her hair oh she is just crazy <laughs> it's so I, weird i've grown i've really grown to enjoy her on the show much more and i've grown to tolerate i will say tolerate pk like I don't enjoy him yet but i'm i'm okay with him whereas i used to just be like repulsed every time i saw him I have done a complete 180 on PK. I couldn't stand him. I thought he brought shame to my people. (laughs) I mean, Dorit's Jewish also. I love that you say that. But like, 
he was just like, no, be gay. But I think I started to turn when she threw that birthday party for him and she had his parents come and he cried mm. when he saw his parents come in from London. And it showed like you have a real relationship with your family. You know, yeah, it, it was true. like, oh, you're a, a human and you have humanized him. Yeah, it humanized him. And yeah. then to see how much he supports her and to see those kids are so funny. So they did a thing for it was Dorit's birthday recently. And just on the side, have you noticed that pretty much every Bravo celebrity Don't pull is over, a, guys. Is a cancer. Nobody's behind you. Just try to. <laughs> oh, can you hear them? I, I hear the siren. The siren. Yeah, don't pull no. over. <laughs> Every, no, but you're, what you're saying, the astrological sign of cancer, yes. They're oh. all cancers. Right. But when they went around to that party with the astrologer, like almost everyone was a cancer. But this goes beyond just Beverly Hills. If you look at all the cast of Vanderpump Rules and how they all have summer birthdays and all their birthdays are together. They do. It's constant birthday madness on that damn show. You're right. So you've got yes. Stassi and Ariana are June 24th. Then you've got Sandoval. Then you've got... Jacks, I mean, these are all, mm -hmm. yeah, so that's just one thing. So it was her birthday, and PK made this very, very funny video of the Oscars, and it was like an Oscar speech, and it was edited to look like it was really at the Oscars. So he came, and he was co-presenting with Phoenix, their daughter, about an award for the best mummy and Aww, <laughs> their mom. That's cute. And then, because she wasn't there to accept um, then Jagger came and accepted on her behalf. And it was the cutest thing. And it's like they're living in their own bizarre world. They really are. But I am here for it. I just feel like they are they're grifters. And I want to know the truth about what is really going on with the business end of things. But who are I, they hurting? Because with I grifters, there's I, th there's right. a woman who okay. chased her around at the pool who needed her money back or her friend's money back. I mean, I feel like there's some shit going on under under the surface that I uh, I'm here I'm here for that news when it breaks. I feel like Aaron is a grifter because he's one oh, hundred and that like that to me matters more because if he's taking money from people who are sick and claiming to heal them, that. I feel like is a worse grievance than taking borrowing money from wealthy people who don't really need their money back, like extreme yeah. wealthy people. Yeah. And yeah. eventually paying them back. Aaron is a total grifter. I He's mean the whole so have you have you listened to um this season's episode uh this season of the podcast The Dream? No. Okay, did you listen to season one no, of The Dream? I don't know anything okay. about the dream. <laughs> Okay, tell me. The dream. Okay, you should. Everyone subscribe to the dream. I know we're promoting a podcast on a podcast, but hey, you're podcast listeners. So if you need some content, it is a great podcast. Season one is all about MLMs, multi level marketing, and oh, how, yeah, yeah. you know, it, the inner workings of it and people who get into it and the just, it's, it's it's amazing. I think it's fascinating. I'm very into like learning about MLMs because I think they're very closely related to cults. cults. Yes. Yep. And then second season of The Dream is all about the wellness industry and just how much it scams people and, you know, everything from vitamins to, yeah, the radio, all the stuff the housewives do, like every appointment they go to is basically featured on The Dream season two, the wellness industry and the scams that are out there and how p desperate people, you know, are really investing so much money in empty promises. It's amazing. 
I highly recommend that podcast. You need to listen. You know, an interesting thing is I've noticed that the wellness industry has even started to get into the business of pets because they're starting to take issues yes. that people are thinking, like, for example, you need to eat clean. And so then being like, your pet hates it's dry, gross, kibble, like give it clean, fresh food. And yeah. I asked my veterinarian, like, hey, like, would it be helpful if I gave my dog, like, you know, clean, know, like, organic, organic, non-GMO, you know, cooked for my dog? And he's like, no, dogs are not humans. And dog food, and especially the brands that you know the most, like the Purinas, the Royal Canines, they have been through so much testing and they have the right amount right. of like minerals and proteins and things that your dog needs. And so they're basically taking a concept of wellness for humans and making you think it relates to your dog. And he's like, oh, if you know how many problems I see from people cooking for their dogs or changing their dog's diet away from what we recommend and really? the kinds of problems that the dogs end up having. It's insane. I never even thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Well, the wellness industry is interesting. There's some real, <laughs> there's some real stuff out there that is helpful. And then there's like Aaron, you know, right. who's running like right. some kind of scam shop where he's putting people's hands inside of a microwave and being like, can you feel that? Are you better? Did I cure? The fact that Denise says he cures cancer. He oh, deals so with cancer. Oh, God. He can't oh, God. deal with this. He didn't have time for this. Oh, you think an oncologist has time for crap? Oh, my God, Denise. This is where I lose her when she starts defending that meathead. I'm like, oh, God, I have to remember that's her husband and she chose him. And that probably says a lot about her, too. I'm still on her side, though. I'm still team Denise. You're team Denise. OK, I am. I'm yeah. I'm wavering on her because I feel like she. So I had this really interesting episode a few um, episodes ago, a bonus episode with Jamie Stein, who is an empath and an intuitive. And he says Denise very much seeks control, but mm. acts as though she's someone who's very carefree. But under the surface, she wants to control things more than anyone else. And when she cannot control things, that's when you see whether it's how her appearance is, how she's portrayed, control how her husband or her children are portrayed. When like some semblance of that control falls apart, then you see the cracks in her. Wow, that's interesting. I kind of, you know what? I kind of relate to that though. No, I kind of relate I, to yeah. that. Yeah. A lot of people. And so yeah. it's interesting. That feels like a very human experience. It is a very you know? human experience. Yeah. But I think some of the women are frustrated that she has this like carefree attitude and acts like, oh, I'm easy breezy. I'm going to wear jeans and shorts and I'm not going to do my hair and makeup. And then she's actually really uptight. And right. so for them, it feels disingenuous, whereas for her, I think she's just trying to, I think she can be both things at once. I think she can too. Absolutely. Yeah. They're just really, I mean, the whole idea that Kyle is calling her out for like having a diamond sculpture and then being <laughs> a ragamuffin and then I'm like, Kyle, <laughs> like seriously, get a grip. Like this is not landing. The shade that you're trying to throw is going nowhere. It doesn't right. even make sense. None of it. So now makes she's sense. got now she's got to hold on to the kid thing. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. I'm, and now the brandy the so brandy. That's what I want to talk to you about. Yeah. What do you think is gonna happen? 
I mean, Brandy's going to tell them all, not at the party, it seems like, according to previews. What was it? It seemed like it was at a later date I when they're all like, together. Does she go on the cast trip to Rome and tell them all in Rome? What? Why would Brandy be on the cast trip? I have no idea. That's weird. No, I don't know. I'm just Okay, maybe I don't know. I don't know here. either. Hey, we don't know. We don't deal in facts. We only deal in rumors. Don't listen to us. It we just know nothing. looked like, because when she told them, it looked like none of them were wearing makeup and stuff. And so I feel like when they're ever showcased without being done up, it's because they're on a vacation together and they're showing right. them like either in the morning before they get done up or like right before bed. Or like at some bogus wellness retreat, you know, again, back to wellness, they could be at a spa or something, but it looks like Brandy tells them, you know, obviously when Denise isn't around and she's like, she's not who she pretends to be. And they're like, dun, dun, you know, waiting for it. And that's going to all turn into Denise pretty much what leaving the show, I guess. Yeah. And I don't think the women were actually that upset about the like, Oh, it is or Denise and Brandy having an affair, right? That I don't think it, it the issue was. My understanding from the Daily Mail. <laughs> let's be honest about my sources here. Only trusted sources. Is yes. that the women were upset that Denise talked badly about them behind their backs to Brandy. That was what they think they were upset. So when Brandy and Denise mm. would have their trysts she would complain about all of the women in detail. And I think she was venting, right? (laughs) The worst person you could vent to is Brandy Glanville. And so then Brandy was like, well, she said this about you, and she said that, and that will upset them more. But I think Rinna was frustrated because when they had lunch, and she was like, well, I mean, you don't like Kyle, right? And she's like, I don't have a problem with Kyle. And it's like, you And then we flash back to her talking shit about Kyle. Like, there's something that she's just not, she's not owning. There's (laughs) something she's not owning. And and I I, I like Denise. And I just, I love when she owns her history and her past with Charlie. I love when she's like, you know what? He brought a sex worker to dinner and I for Thanksgiving. And you know what? I set up a plate. Right. I dragged her out of the driveway. Dragged her out of the driveway. So like that. That's true. I get that. That's what I like about Denise. When she tries to not acknowledge something that it's like, come on, just that makes sense. So I think that's where Lisa's getting frustrated with her because she openly is complaining about Kyle and then it's like, I have no problem with Kyle. She's like, yeah, I do like Kyle. Yeah. It's like, no, nobody you does. Don't it's okay. Like Kyle, you don't have and to. That is okay. Like, <laughs> exactly. you don't need like, to like we're Kyle. We're good with that. Like, <laughs> <you know? Right. laughs> and Garcelle, man, she showed up with a new guy, Michael. Oh, very cute. I love very Garcelle. Cute. She's so above it all though. And at, as yeah. she should be, because she is above it all. But I want you know, her to get definitely, in the mix. I do, but I don't want her life to be ruined, so I'm torn. I think she you could know? fly above in a way. I mean, Erica's life isn't ruined. Yeah, she's yeah. on Twitter, like, fighting people, though. Oh, I don't know Erica that I want is? that for Garcelle. She's always, like, clapping back at people on Twitter. I'm like, oh, oh no, it's because she's I friends with Megan McCain fucks. and thinks that, like, that's how you're oh, supposed no. to engage with people on Twitter. <laughs> 
Oh no, I didn't. <laughs> Maybe know she's that. taking a page out of um, Camille Grammer's. <laughs> Camille on Twitter is just like a thirst trap. She's a trap. monster. <laughs> God, and, and it, Lisa Rita's like, "You're an asshole on Twitter," but hi, and she's like, "Oh my God!" Like, okay, Camille, you can't do that on social media and then be cool with everyone like you have to be ready to fight if you want to fight fight you know know who's the smartest on twitter is i think bronwyn from the oc she said she said something about like oh i don't know if she's on twitter now but when she first started she's like oh i don't want to go there that's where people are really mean and toxic i'll stick on instagram and just try and you know be positive (laughs) like good for you good for her good luck Good luck with that. Yeah. Good luck, girl. Good luck. Godspeed. (laughs) Any any final thoughts on Beverly Hills or do you watch Potomac? Okay, I'm catching up with the last two seasons. I used to actually write recaps for Potomac. I was in deep with it. Yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And so, but then I missed the last two seasons and I've heard this past season was the best ever. So I'm going to binge it. I'm going to be caught up when it premieres. I'm going to be on board. So you and I should get together and talk about it once the season comes because I will it. be totally ready. And I, I will live be ready. here. I know the areas. I know a lot of what they're talking about. I think it is the best franchise that we've got right now. And I think this is going to be one of the best seasons of that I'm franchise. Excited. And Yay! I think that's why they moved it back because they're like, Every, there's going to be a huge lull in programming and they knew that they don't want and, it to be overshadowed by Roni yes, and Beverly it is Hills so yes. good. and okay good it is so good it is such I, I'm so excited for you to see season four there is a scene and I don't know why I keep bringing this up I don't know if I'm the only one that appreciates this where Karen Huger in her confessionals wears a dress that has feathers um, <laughs> near her bra right? Like the top part is all feathers and the feathers are annoying her. So without missing a beat, she picks up a duster and a dust bin and dusts the feathers on her dress during her confessional. She dusts herself off. She dusts herself and it is without flinching and you can tell they kept it in because it is just so authentically Karen Huger and that sounds like a Sonia Morgan moment like dusting herself off yes she is the Sonia Morgan of Potomac but because we haven't seen as much of her we are not sick of her and we are not tired of the same old you know stories right Right, I am not tired I want more Karen Huger all the time Every day. I'm ready. I'm in. I'm I'm ready. I'm going to do it. I'm going to binge. I'm going to be ready. We're going to talk about it for sure. We're going to talk about it. Definitely. I cannot wait. Thank you so Yay. much for being on. Where can everyone find you? I'm sure everyone already listens to Pink Shade, but. Oh, I don't know about that. You can find, <laughs> you can find me talking about. 90 Day Fiance, Bravo shows, you know, the odd topic here and there over on the Pink Shade podcast. And uh, I have a Pink Shade Patreon and a Hey Bunky Patreon I do with Mary Payne Gilbert, who um, covers just extra shows with me every week. We recap all kinds of stuff. We're watching Smothered. I don't know if you've checked that out, but it's insane. I know. It's insane, girl. I think as someone who lost their mom, it's probably not the best to watch that one. (laughs) No, and also, like, (laughs) unless you're really interested in, like, deep mental illness, like, (laughs) you maybe don't want to watch it for that reason. That's why I watch Housewives. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You 
can you can find me over there on the Hey Bucky Patreon if you want to really listen to some real shit show recaps. And then uh, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Aaron Leah Martin, and I'm on the Jenny McCarthy Show pretty much biweekly, and then maybe weekly back in the fall on Friday series XM Stars Channel 109, and we cover Housewives and 90 Day because Jenny is deep into these shows too. Okay, so she's into all the housewives. Is she going to be watching Potomac? Because that is where it's I'm gonna, at. We're going to try to get her on board. Yes, yes. I think I need. To, we're going to try to get her on board because you're right. Programming is getting really limited, it and is. we need to just like yeah, we need to all band together in this dire, dire time <laughs> and watch the same reality TV shows. We need to do this, people. We can do it. Well, thank you so much for being here and celebrating my 100th episode. I appreciate it so much. You are such a kind person, a good friend, a really incredible content creator. So thank thank you. you. And you too. I feel so lucky to know you. And I'm so happy for you. 100 episodes is a big deal. Just keeping at it. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a, you know, labor of love. And so thank you for putting your content out there. It is. Whether you're having a not moving off the couch while you watch the game kind of day or a no time between conference calls kind of day, it can still be a delicious Dunkin' kind of day. And with Dunkin' now available on DoorDash, it's easier than ever to get your faves brought right to your door. So if you're looking for coffees, donuts, and breakfast sandwiches in the morning, craving some afternoon snack and bacon, or in need of Dunkin' refreshers for a PM pick-me-up, we've got you covered. Order now and get your faves brought to your door through Grubhub, Uber Eats, and DoorDash. Price and participation may vary. Exclusions apply. America runs on Dunkin'. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous walrus, the bulbous walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.